In many cultures, the crossroads represents the merging of two paths, both in this world and the next. This week, we explore one of the most famous myths and people connected to the folklore, Robert Johnson, selling his soul at the crossroads. And we're live. Yes. How's it going? Welcome back. Welcome back to the Phantom Jukebox. For the first time we're able to say that. I know. I know. This is episode two. And uh, I want to say thank you to everyone that has listened to episode one. Yes. Very much. Uh, very, very grateful uh, for you to share some time with us. And we hope that we gave you some just a nice relaxing dive into the madness that was that myth. Yeah. Just just a distraction from all the real world craziness. Uh I think the episode was like almost three hours. <laughs> uh, I definitely learned some Elvis facts yeah. that I then was able to share at my workplace and you know, I actually, out abroad. I have I have too. I have been like, well actually did you know? <laughs> Didn't you know? Not quite um because I mean like if if at I mean one of the two goals for this, let's say, this podcast is a uh, like I said earlier, just to give you a, a nice break, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. from the real world craziness that's going on out there, just to have a fun, you know, I don't know, good exercise. You could work out at the gym, uh, drive in the car, or if you got, you know, just a, a typing to take job. Take your mind off. The take your mind off of the rest of the world. Yeah, just, just, just go, just ride with us in this, in this <laughs> journey through craziness, and be. Just like we were saying uh, now, to have that cool fact at a at a at a trivia night or a party where you know, you, you... know the leftover stuff at the top of the <laughs> turkey that's called that's called the Presley. That's called the sad Elvis. <laughs> um, I have a friend of mine who was telling me he was uh, he was wheezing during that <laughs> segment. No, he was wheezing during the uh, the Elvis uh, comrade section. Oh yeah, yeah. So hearing that just it made my day. I'm really. Uh, I hope that uh, you guys are enjoying it. As Welcome much as we to are. Phantom Jukebox. Come wheeze with us. Come, come wheeze with us. <laughs> wheeze the night away. Um, and just so everybody on the and podcast world knows, thank you for bringing coffee. I appreciate it. Oh yes, it's, definitely. It's almost ten o'clock, but at night. But uh, we do need the uh, the caffeine. So thank you everybody for listening. We're available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, we're going to be coming to other things soon, but uh, uh, it, it takes a minute for those things to go through processing. But Apple got approved a while ago. Uh, what would really help us out is if you guys rate and review us. Like, you oh. know, they have like a star system on the Apple Podcast, the uh, nice. little purple icon. Okay. You know, click on that. I know it takes like a couple minutes, but it also takes a lot. A lot to do this. There's a oh, lot of yeah. there's a lot of reading that goes into this. And it would mean the world doesn't cost you anything. Just if you could like give us five if I would appreciate, and I know Joe would appreciate it as well. Just give us five stars. Oh yeah. And then tell us your favorite song. Cause you gotta it's a, it asks you to write something. So what's your favorite song? Maybe your favorite oh, Elvis song. Yeah. Um 
And you can also follow us on, uh, we have a Twitter at twitter.com forward slash phantom jukebox underscore. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash phantom jukebox. And we have an Instagram, instagram.com forward slash forward slash phantom jukebox podcast. Nice. So we are, we are up and coming on the socials. Follow us on all the webs. All the webs. <laughs> and as new ones come, so, so we'll sh- we arrive. <laughs> yes. So today, yes. we're talking about Robert Johnson. Actually, nice. more so the Crossroads myth and Robert Johnson. Okay. So um, there are actually multiple Crossroads myths. Um, so like it's... Uh, it kind of became like a, a yeah, it's like a folklore thing. So like, there's there's kind of like there's some stories about them, but the most famous one, the one uh, we're gonna dive into, is the Robert Johnson one specifically. Okay. Because uh, there was a guy before him, kind of like he he used that kind of like uh, Ozzy Osbourne using like the the devil stuff in yeah. his music yeah. as kind of like to enhance his image, but Robert Johnson is actually who kind of he kind of came in and made it so much more famous than that guy but i think yeah. the guy before kind of like laid the the groundwork hmm. yeah. i guess you could say robert johnson just i wouldn't say rode to fame cuz he certainly wasn't famous while he was alive huh uh maybe in like a local circuit but not in a uh not in a worldwide sense by any means huh not while he was alive yeah i don't know much about robert johnson at all Besides I knew a little bit. the myth of... Actually, let's, let's start with that. Is it, what, what do you know about Robert Johnson? Uh, blues guitar player. Yes. And sold a soul to the devil. Yes. Yeah, that's it. That's about, <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> well, the, the general hints of the thing. Yes. So let's go through the facts, the hard, hard, actual, verified details of Mr. Robert Johnson. He was born Robert Leroy Johnson, May 8th, 1911. Uh, and he lived till 1938, August 16th. Okay. So he died at 27 years old. Oh. Which, if you're a music conspiracy yes. music conspiracy fan, as I am myself, you would know, you remember the 27 Club. Oh, I didn't even know he was on that. Uh, and officially, I don't think so. Oh. Um, but you know, like uh, uh, I'm blanking on it. Kurt Cobain. Uh, yeah. Amy Winehouse is on that. Huh. Uh. I think no. Jim Morrison died older. No, he's not. Uh, Janis Joplin's on there. Jimi Hendrix is on yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, so I think that is going to be uh, an episode. I'd like to kind of do each individual person, and then maybe like a overall episode. But I don't know if there's enough to it. Mm, okay. But in the future, I would like to get into the Twenty Seven Club because that's the kind of stuff this podcast is for. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, Robert Johnson is also known as the grandfather of rock and roll. So we talked about Elvis and we talked about, uh, you know, influencing those people like, you know, coming up. Yeah, definitely. Um, Robert Johnson was a big inspiration for uh, like Chuck Berry. Oh, wow. Who influenced so many other like shredders like we talked about as well. Um, He inspired Robert Johnson, inspired Eric Clapton, Led Zeppelin. Wow. Keith Richards. Keith Richards is probably uh, in like a lot of the uh, basically in an interview. I've seen about Robert Johnson, like Keith Richards, like shows up. He's like a super, yeah. super fan of uh, Robert Johnson. And then like Bob Dylan as well. Huh. Bob Dylan more lyrically than musically, but like 
uh i think especially like i said with keith richards just like the, like lyrically his guitar playing oh uh, yeah definitely yeah, so much came from uh uh robert johnson because robert yeah, johnson was a singer songwriter and player like the triple threat like okay. he uh, he could do all three like really really well wow excuse me yeah that's one of the things that he was uh I think that's why he like influenced a lot of people because he uh, influenced especially uh, like Eric Clapton and Keith Richards are prolific songwriters. Yeah. So to to be able to just like sit down and just like crank out uh, a well written lyric uh, song musically, but also lyrically to match it, it's really tough to write lyrics. Oh yeah. I'm gonna give. Uh, I am terrible at it. I'm terrible at it, and just gonna give a, a pat in the back to our because uh, me and Joe are uh, musicians ourselves. Yes. I'm a bass player, and he is a guitar player. Of the band Otherworld. Of the band Otherworld. I want to give a quick shout-out to our other member, Connor, who's our lead singer and guitar player, um, our other guitar player. Uh, Connor writes really good lyrics. Yeah. And like I, I've sat down and tried to, like, I've helped out and, like, given, like, a, a quick, like, maybe you should use this word. Connor's like, oh, yeah, that fits. And then I'll get, like, a... I feel like eh, I helped. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! I did something. I did something because uh, I, 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 it takes me a long time to write music alone. But I, yeah, I sit there and just like marinate on things forever. But Connor, like Connor, writes songs faster and like he puts lyrics to them almost equally as fast. But they're like good lyrics too. Yeah, because um, he spends a lot of time, kind of like he'll listen to the music like oh, almost obsessively, like a crazy person. Mm-hmm. Uh, over and over and over again and then he kind of like finds an emotion that he wants the song to convey like whether it's anger or something yeah and then that's where he starts with his okay lyrical process i've seen him do it and it's it's amazing to watch but you're also like you're one of those obsessive people yeah he's just sitting there like just like listening to it over and over yeah he goes on like long walks too like this meditative like like mm. uh, uh david carradine and kung fu just like walks a long <laughs> period of time and just thinks about it so sorry side tangent so good job connor um inspired eric clapton uh sorry robert johnson inspired like eric clapton keith richards but also um so we're also talking uh the 19 it's like the, the 30s really is where he yeah. kind of like became really famous so and we're also talking about the rural uh, impoverished, like really poor South okay. as well. So he didn't have a lot of, um, there's not a lot of like good record keeping about uh, really anybody. And because uh, Robert Johnson didn't like blow up in his lifetime, dude, yeah. nobody really documented him either. Okay. So a not lot as, of the note, not sorry. as easy to find as Elvis, I assume. No, no, no. Well, yeah, Elvis came like uh, obviously like later on. Uh, so people care. I mean, it just yeah, people cared more to keep track of stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah, especially like he was. Uh, he's like one generation removed from like slavery. Oh wow! Uh, like uh, the sharecropping. I don't know if you're familiar with the term. Let me like turn that. Maybe more than one generation. Probably like two generations from slavery so like at that point like his grandfather and like great-grandfather uh could have been slaves wow so this is the this is the era we're talking and sharecropping was a big thing 
at this point in time. And if you're not familiar, sharecropping is kind of like there's a big, you know, let's imagine like a big farm and then you would maintain like a piece of it. Kind of like you're kind of like renting a bit of farm to work on. Yeah. And you paid the big farm in uh, a percentage of your crop. Oh, if that makes it's like it's okay. it's like uh, it gets farming with a landlord. Oh, okay, sense. yeah, that, I get it. Yeah, some most you know sometimes not the best of deals. Um, so keeping keep that kind of like era in track with you know not knowing a lot about him, and a lot of the numbers I told you about him uh, with his like a uh, birth date and death date and stuff came from his death certificate that they only found in 1967. Wow, so. They found in nineteen found in nineteen sixty seven. So there's a lot. It it kind of uh, his actual life is a bit of a mystery because you only get picked up. A lot of things are only word of mouth. So that's where you get a lot of this lore and legend behind exactly. His name. So you know things. You know you get the telephone game plus you get. Uh, well, I heard it. You know this yeah. way, and uh, there's no hard documentation. So yeah, basically from. Uh, let's say through the span of like the twenties, late twenties till when he died is kind of a, just, this is what people are saying about him. Yeah. So, um, as I was standing in the Elvis episode too, when we get into some of the crazier stuff, uh, when we get into the myth stuff, I should say rather, um, I'm looking up the best sources I can find. Like I'm going beyond, I am going beyond Wikipedia I'm I'm trying to find the most reliable sources for the most unreliable information. Okay, yeah. So if that helps. So I, I did spend a lot of time trying to like surf around. A lot of people kind of say the same things, but I'm trying to dig around and find things, people like explanations. Some people some people will just say something. Yeah. But they don't say what that means or like go a little further with it. I tried to go a little further with some of this that's explanation. Um he and speaking of documentation. There's only three legit photos of Robert Johnson. Yeah. There's three. Wow. Uh, I couldn't, I, I, I was looking for the third one, but the two that I know of, it's him st- with, uh, it's him with his hat holding the guitar and the one I posted on uh, yeah. social media. And then there's one where he's like looking uh, at the, he doesn't have a hat on and he's looking at the camera and he's got a cigarette with a guitar and he noticed something weird about one of his one of his eyes, which is something we'll get to. And um, I believe the third one is him standing next to somebody, but I might be mistaken. I don't know if that one's verified. But I, uh, okay. I was trying to find the third one. But, but I mean, things... back in those times, I mean, in the '30s and beforehand, yeah, just having pictures of anyone was kind of hard to find. It's not like there's pictures everywhere like there is today with camera phones and disposable cameras and what have you yeah um i man, i should looked up what kind of cameras they had too because i'm pretty yeah. sure they're not very far from like the the guy with the drape over his head with the you know the ones you see yeah. in like the yeah. old west and the poof the the like literal smoke okay now just stand there for another three hours and you know that's we'll why they don't your photo you know that's why they don't smile on a lot of photos yeah from back then is because they had to sit there so long that they could they had to hold the same pose and it's just naturally how they rested. So when you look at all the pictures from like the era with that, that old school camera, everybody looks miserable, but really <laughs> it's just, they had to sit there that long. Well, I mean, same for like old, old, old paintings and stuff like that. Oh of, yeah. 
I mean, yeah, you're just standing there in front of the artist while he goes to town for a couple hours. Yeah. Uh, so Robert Johnson is regarded as one of the best Delta Blues players of all time. Uh, Delta Blues, if you're not, if uh, for those who want to know, is a specific style of blues coming from the Mississippi Delta. Okay. And it's one of the earliest known uh, styles of blues. So he's a Florida man. Yeah. He's a Florida man? Florida man. Miami? No. Oh. No, Mississippi Delta. Oh, okay. I heard you wrong. Sorry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, selling your soul at the crossroads <laughs> is not the most un-Florida man thing. That's true. That's true. Um, so he recorded actually only twice in his life. Okay. Uh, so that's two sessions. So not physically two times, but, um, when you go to record like an album, it's a multiple day process. Okay. Yeah. Um, like you will spend a couple, you'll, you kind of designate a couple days for guitar, you know, drums, vocals, but yeah, this is over the course of a couple of days. And the two session, uh, one of the sessions was in San, was in San Antonio in 1936. Uh, remember, he dies in uh, 38. Look at it. Double check it. I'm right again. Yeah, he dies in 38. So basically, records like two years before he dies. Wow. Yeah. So one of them was in the uh, San An- was in San Antonio in 1936. Uh, November 23rd to the 25th, so, you know, over Thanksgiving, huh. uh, in room 414 at the Gunter Hotel. Huh. So, another thing, too, is that uh, pretty much any room with a microphone is considered a studio. Okay. So, it's very, very loose on the term yeah. studio. Oh, We're not talking basics. padded walls. Uh, you know, soundproof walls and stuff. It's literally like, you know, if you're lucky, a chair in the corner, and then just like the microphone either hanging by its cord or on yeah. a stand, pointed at you. So that's how. Yeah, that's just why it hits it, all of his recordings like sound like that because it's there's not. It's just him with his guitar like playing into a microphone. Like the, hmm. he doesn't even have two microphones. It's just the wow. one, and he's like singing into it. I notice he kind of sounds like he's it sounds like he's sitting far away um, from like his I think he's, it sounds like he's like shouting and he's whatever the microphone is, is just kind of in between his mouth. And if you know, like the sound hole of an acoustic guitar, yeah, it's it sounds like it's kind of in the middle there. And it, he's just kind of like shouting at it as opposed to how you would do in a more modern situation where you have the microphone as close as we have it, which is yeah. pretty close in front of our face and right in front of your face. Uh, and no headphones or anything like that, too. No metronome or nothing. It's oh, just wow. him, a guy giving him the thumbs up, <laughs> and a machine scraping a piece of wax. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome, though. I mean, that would be like a neat experience to do. I mean, I, I think it would be kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but as a novelty, because I enjoy my digital recording setup. Yes, exactly. Uh, but this is what he had to record with. And uh, the other one was in Dallas in 1937 in a uh, makeshift studio again. And kind of, I believe this one's more of a warehouse situation over uh, the span of a few days from June 19th to the 20th. Okay. In 1937. So, try, so I'm trying to think of like how many songs. I think in one of my uh, 
in one of my longest recording sessions, I think I tracked, because uh, I didn't have a lot of time per day, maybe like four songs in a day at one time. Wow. Um, which is, I mean, if you consider tracking and retracking and like the scientific cleanliness of how good the tracks have to be, yeah, it's a lot. It's not just playing it once. Per, even if you play it once perfect, a good producer or uh, sound engineer is going to have you do it again. Yeah. Just because you're going to want multiple takes. You'll feel really good and you write all the notes you want about like, I think this is the one we're going to use it. But you want to go and do it again because you're in the moment and you're, it's like looking at anything too long. You listen it for something uh, for a really long time. You just can't ego like tone deaf to it or you'll miss yeah. details. And uh, uh, you want to have all those like backup takes and stuff. So that's, it's a long day. Like I think in uh, what, I think I, I, it was like an eight hour day to get four songs. Cause it's just getting at multiple takes of each riff. Producers do it differently. Somebody will have, a, have you run it through the entire time a couple times. Or as a one guy we had do it, uh, we almost broke it down by riff and we would pick the best of the riffs we like and put it together. Okay. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's just a lot of playing the same songs over and over to the point of madness. Imagine recording 29 songs in two sessions. Wow. 29 with at least two takes per song. Jeez. That's a lot. Uh, and his songs aren't really short either. Like, uh, the, it's at least like two and a half minutes to three minutes for most of these songs. And yeah. that's like lyrics to all of them too. Wow. Uh, Cause he probably had a number of them in the bank. I don't think, uh, I couldn't find anything, whether he wrote songs in the studio, he probably had, um, a lot banked up because he played a lot of like street corners and like juke joint juke, yeah. joint juke joints is what they call them. Okay. Um, which is kind of like a club. Yeah. Uh, and he, and he, uh, he played a lot of these, so maybe he had like a back catalog. I don't know that anyone walks in with 29 songs. Maybe he did. I would think so. Especially think like, so? yeah, back in those days when like you had to really had to be prepared to be able to record, you know that you're going in to record the full album. So you're like, I better have all of these down and ready to go because, you know, it's, it's a lot harder to, of a setup than we have now. Yeah. I mean, we can, we can do so many takes and scratch takes and, you know, patch them together if we want to, but that it's like, you gotta get through the whole song. Yeah. There's no, stopping and starting on the wax yeah and, and if you want to do anything like complicated too like um sometimes like uh and i i've i've been i've been guilty of it uh once or twice well not maybe one, probably more than once or twice in like the recording booth when i'm like tracking a baseline and stuff where i'll have more of a complicated like baseline and then i'll have like a fill or something like that like i'll play live um and there's especially there's one song um on our uh actually the uh, most recent EP that I wish I there. I wish I had put that fill in there, but um, I had tracked it so many times. I just wanted to play it right. I didn't play the fill. Nobody else knows it, but me, (laughs) but I hear it. Uh, And, but both like, uh, but um, if I, if I had done it right as much, the hardest part would have been to fix is the guy going in, bringing me to that part of the song. And then just like me track it and he just put it in. 
you yeah. know, and just like just basically like you said, just stitch it in there. Uh, Johnson situation, that wax is spinning. You know, the wax is being cut by like a. It looked the setup is a lot like a vinyl record setup. Okay, but it's just like a a a, a soft piece of wax, and there's a needle, and basically the microphone influences how far the needle uh, goes into the wax. Wow. And then um, that captures the sound. I, don't, I can't really get more scientific than that. I really don't understand yeah. the wax recording process. It doesn't but make sense. but No, it, it's, it's like the more, I think the more louder it was is the further it would go in. And just like just cutting this like super, super narrow, uh, shallow groove into this piece of wax. And huh. that is what they had to record with. But it's so weird. But it, since but it's awesome. like since it's not even like tape, even with like as as a pain in the ass as it is to record with uh with tape, um, you can still wind that tape back to the point where you want to fix it and then like still splice the tape and yeah, you know, re-record it onto a master so it's all clean, uh, like they did from like you know I think like the sixties on or fifties on or whatever. But like you know thirties, it's it's a piece, it's a wax disc. Jeez, it's insane. And not record in a hot room. In a hot room, right? So that actually that could lead to uh, uh, some distortions too. Yeah. So I hadn't thought of that. But also remember, like, I wonder how many, and this would be a neat thing to get into. I wonder how many master recordings uh, were done by other artists that you know, because they have to get it from that room to the 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 print press or whatever. Oh. So I wonder how many got lost in like wrecks and stuff wow yeah that's something i never thought of i wonder how much i wonder like how much greatness we might have lost yeah to like a, a bad traffic jam or just you know leaving it out too long and you're saying it's wax in yeah. mississippi I mean, sorry in texas yeah and there's no ac there's in the no cars, ac either so you're just transporting it in the back in the in the sun it's hoping like, that you're gonna get there before it melts oh man make me dude yeah, I would be so I'd be sick to my stomach because there's no getting that back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even if you could call that guy, you know that that blues artist again the next day, like, hey, you know, I need you back. You know, this thing happened. We need to do the recording again. There's something. There's sometimes in the recording, like I was saying, you have that take you really like, and you think that's going to be the one, and most likely it will be. There's no getting that take again. Yeah, because you know you have the magic in that take. Uh, as I like to say, and then uh, um, if you lose that one, you just you're not getting it back. And Which is something you don't think about when you're in a recording studio today. Yeah, that you're like, oh, I have the ease and ability to record thirty takes. Yeah, and listen to all of them and take the best parts of each take that I like and put that together on one take, and just thankful that we have that technology now that we could do that yeah and not are still stuck in the ways of wax discs and <laughs> what have you uh i almost think there's an argument for um and this might be a topic for another day but uh, having too much control in the recording process because you know with like uh recording on like the tape like i was saying there's still pressure to get it right and uh limiting the amount of takes and it puts you in a different mindset yeah i think that's a topic for another that's a topic for another time but i think that is something to get into okay yeah maybe a side episode <laughs> um so and duh, 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 duh. 
he recorded 29 songs in two uh, sessions, and they're not that far apart. Um, so from November to June, it's really not that far. Yeah. Um, with yeah, leading into the next year, and that is an insane number. Like it's like it's pretty much it's almost down the middle. I mean, uh, of recording songs, so it's like 15 on one day, 14 on the day, something like that. Yeah. It's a lot, but even yeah, Which yeah, that's I mean, a, that's a lot of recording in one today, day. Today, that's like. 15 that's one album yeah yeah most songs are like what like 10 12 songs yeah it's an album uh and i and like three and a half minutes too like it's there's so much work imagine your hands oh man at the end because you're uh let's say it was let's say it was 13 songs in one day what 14 let's say it's 14 songs in one day um one playing 14 and you know he's probably not getting a lot of like breaks and like uh you know you know, coffee breaks and yeah, there's no running over to Starbucks real quick. Too. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, Hey, that was a really good take. You know, I'm starving. Let's, uh, let's go grab a bite. Come back fresh. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, it is. Uh, <laughs> we don't really have a lot of time. Why don't you go ahead and record you know, 14 tracks in a row yeah. and let's go ahead and get an alternate take of each one. Cause I think they would record the alternate takes. I think they would run through all the songs on one, wax disc and i think they would make another one just in case something happened to the other one wow i think they would record a backup i think i think okay there was kind of loosey-goosey on that information but yeah. i'm pretty sure uh because I, I know for a fact um he recorded multiple takes of a lot of the songs yeah so at the very least it's like what so it'd be like 29 plus like 14 what is that I'm tired, uh, so math is hard. Twenty-nine Duh. plus fourteen. Duh. God, forty-three. Yes. Forty something songs. Yes, in a day. Wow, that's insane. You're and imagine like uh, him playing as many like clubs and stuff like for his food. Like that's what yeah. that was his job, because it was either be a sharecropper or make money playing guitar. Huh. So making money playing guitar being the better being the more attractive option to absolutely anybody that yeah. has enough talent, you know, to think they can make it. Um yeah, it just seems like it's just a, it's a better deal if you can make yeah. it, but the thing about the sharecropping though is that like it was kind of more of I don't want to say the safe option because it really like there's nothing safe about farming as far as like relying on the weather. You know, huh, and yeah. the accidents that can happen just farming. You know, yeah. everything you're working with is sharp. Not to mention the pesticides and yeah. all that. You know, tell your local farmers thank you. Yeah, They're seriously, awesome. they do a lot of work. But uh, yeah, with like the sharecropping though, it, let's say between the two, specifically between becoming a blues musician and sharecropping, sharecropping is probably most certainly the safer of the of those two options. Yeah. Uh, because being the you know being the uh, traveling blues man, and you did travel. He traveled a lot. Like he was, he just walked everywhere, man. Uh, playing music, and he's playing like different clubs. And also, this is 1930s rural South Mississippi. Oh, he's a young African American. Yeah. Uh, so he's also having to be like. He's also having to play at clubs that will have him as well. Yeah. Because, you know, 
this is where we're at right now with time, the time period, uh, his time period. So um, street corners and juke joints are the two biggest ones I saw. And then he's like literally like hitchhiking on like trains or. Uh, Man, what a life, though. He could that, literally ha- that could be his own movie, like bio documentary of him, his life. But there's not a, enough information. I think. It, yeah, I know. There's so many documentaries that like try to like backtrack and I'll get to uh, people that I uh, get to a person that like was like real serious and the finding uh, actually is the one who found his death certificate. Oh, wow. Um, there's a lot of people trying to piece it together and like you, all you can really do the best that you can do is speculate because you're right. It is a fantastic story. And imagine meeting him, uh, meeting a person that world weary and traveled. Yeah. And it's because he had to, because a, it's what he wanted to do in life and B it's how he ate. Yeah. So him eating in living is directly related to how much of a badass he was with the music being a yeah. musician. So like, uh, we're going to get into some of that stuff later on too, is like, imagine the competition mm. with your fellow bluesmen. Cause there's a lot, there's a number of bluesmen. Yeah. Robert Johnson is just the one we're talking about, but there's a lot of them um, that, you know, chose this like career path. If, if they called it a career, like a lot of people didn't look very highly at these people. Yeah. It's like, they still wanted them, but it's like, but I don't, I don't want to be a blues man. Like I don't, I don't, and blues man as in, I don't want that lifestyle. And like, they kind of got looked at, they yeah. got looked down upon, but people still wanted the entertainment. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's a double, it's a double standard kind of thing, I think, or I, I don't know if that's the right word, but um, they weren't really highly regarded people. Yeah. Um, I, I think Vagabond is like a traveling poor person. I think that's, that, huh. I think that's that definition. Uh, I'll have to look that up, but I, it's kind of, that is how they got looked at. It's not a, it's not a respectable gig. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, you'll have people today that will write about people like him, but imagine hearing it from the person themselves. Yeah. You know, it's not a, it's not a story about a man who traveled down the road. It's, it's the guy who traveled down the road going, well, yeah, that's Tuesday. Let me write about it. Yeah. Um, he would, I imagine it would have been a fascinating person to talk to. Oh, definitely. Uh, maybe if he got older, I heard he was, uh, as I read, he got, he was, he was pretty into himself. Yeah. Huh. So I think maybe as he got older, he would have been really fascinating. Yeah. Still, still, you know, it would have been cool, but like, I think Robert Johnson thought he was Robert Johnson from some of the stories that I got. Huh. Okay. So when you, when you had his following though, in his area, you, it'd probably be hard not to get into your own head a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, so these pressing, these recordings or pressings, uh, were recorded in, uh, you know, on the wax cylinders and stuff. And, um, they did get released, um, in 1937 and 1938, kind of like, kind of like a local band. If you know people in a local band and, and an experience we've had as well, uh, but our situation's all online and all that. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing where like you but you you record, you you know, publish it, get it produced, uh, have like uh people like the amazing Kenny Grooms, mm. uh our buddy who did our theme who uh mixed and mastered our theme song. Yeah. Uh actual wizard. 
actual sound wizard yeah. Kenny Grooms. I think it's going to become his title. <laughs> um, you have people like him mix and master it, maybe a little bit less in Robert Johnson's situation because he probably didn't have a Kenny. Yeah, uh, making his stuff even better. Um, but uh, they get you know they get kind of like locally sold like it's not a widespread thing he wasn't robert johnson in the billboards or anything like that he didn't have he didn't really have a chance uh to get to that point uh like in his lifetime he died so young you know yeah um so where a lot of people come to know robert johnson is actually from a uh columbia re-released these recordings and an album called uh, Robert Johnson, King of the Delta Blues in 1962. Okay. And that's where people like Eric Clapton and Led Zeppelin. Because oh. it was just like, it was pressing on, like, you know, on the, excuse me, on the modern vinyl. Yeah. So pretty close to what we have, you know, I was going to say pretty close to what we have today. Pretty close to what you're finding in thrift stores today. Yeah. Um, the more modern style vinyl. So like remastered a little bit. Uh, to what they can do, because it's only so much you can do with those early recordings. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's where Keith Richards is hearing them. Uh, Bob Dylan's hearing them. Um, Keith Richards, when he said when he heard him for the first time, he thought so. Robert Johnson, kind of going back to how good he was, Keith Richards, yeah, one of the main songwriters of the Rolling Stones, probably one of the longest running bands of all time, if not the longest running band. Yeah of all time i don't even know how many top ones i don't know they're there's the rolling stones i don't know how there's nothing you really need to say yeah yeah the rolling stones that keith richards already be, being pretty famous at the time so this is like the he's probably listening to it like late 60s at this point so he's already famous already regarded as a great guitar player yeah um when he heard the uh the robert johnson recordings he thought there were two people playing guitar but it's just one guy playing guitar one guy in a chair with if he got a chair with his guitar one microphone wow playing the blues he was that good that keith richards thought there were two guitar players wow something to put into context of how good this guy was because when you hear it and i mean you really have to think and then we said it last uh, the last episode you have to put this kind of skill in context to when it's coming out exactly yeah um so i mean we have we're kind of blessed in our in our lifetime where we have musical um music the musical exploration of like steve Vai, who's more of like a uh music explorer i know it's a poor choice of words but like he yeah you know he's more of a person that explores what you can do with the guitar rather than being focused on writing a top 100 hit he doesn't care he's steve i i want to uh i want to write you know how how can i make this guitar sound different than anything i've ever heard we've got sweet picking and tapping and all that stuff now i mean that's not happening in the 30s yeah so when you have a guy playing the blues as heartfelt as good and uh with the technical prowess that you're hearing no one had ever heard stuff like that before they had heard stuff kind of like it 
but they'd either not heard it done that well or they'd not heard that style of blues before. Man, imagine putting Robert Blowing, Johnson yeah. in to one of today's studios and really just being able to get the quality out of It'd be kind of his weird. skill. Yeah. You know what I mean? That would be cool. That would... Oh, yeah. I imagine with a lot of people. But, like, yeah, with Robert Johnson, like, even if, like, by today's, like, uh, Toes in a Bossy, um, uh, man, what's that dude's name from uh, Polyphia? Tim Henson? I don't, I don't know Polyphia I think his well. name, I mean, either. I think his name's Tim Henson. Um, Steve I again. Just thinking about how good those guys are. Yeah. I mean, technically, miles ahead, Robert Johnson. But you ask them to play like a legit blues song. I think Steve I is probably going to get as close as you can. But the blues isn't really about being there's there are technical things with the blues. Yeah. As far as I know, I'm not a scholar on it. Um, but it is really hard to get right. Hmm. Like uh, you can have people that sound like uh, sound do everything right about playing the blues. But there's something about the feeling of it. And feeling it right, that makes it quality blues. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that comes from life experience. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a, a lot of like, I mean, it's the blues. Uh, one of the definitions I heard is like, it's called the blues because it's like, it's, it's like singing. It's kind of letting out the sadness, if mm. you will. It's not, the songs aren't really meant to be sad as in it's letting the, the sadness out. Okay. Kind of like a spell. Kind I of like, like that. Yeah. Kind of like, uh, you know, let's say blow off some steam. It's kind of like that. Yeah. Um, so where there are people that might be more technical, there's de- some deceptive simplicity going on with Robert yeah. Johnson's music. You can take, yeah, like I said, Henson, Avasi, Vi, um, uh, Pratucci, uh, Dream Theater Petrucci. guy. Petrucci, thank or, you. Yeah. Thank you for saving me. <laughs> I was drowning there. Thank you. Uh, take any one of those guys. They have technical prowess for days, but something about Robert Johnson and a good blues guy, you know. Um, it just, it just like, you will find yourself listening to more Johnson-type music, I think, than some of the super technical stuff. Yeah. At least in my opinion. I will probably, like, I will, I love the technical stuff, but... I will probably listen to something a little more heartfelt than yeah. somebody going like a math equation on a, on a fretboard, you know, <laughs> qualities in both. But for talking blues here, there's a, there's, it's not as easy as it looks by yeah. any means. Got to hop on some train tracks a couple times. Before. You got to legit suffer. Yeah. <laughs> and fewer people suffered than African-Americans yeah. in the thirties. Yeah. Ran before that. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's a, it's a, it, it, it comes from some pretty sad history. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was believed uh, that he was paid an estimate between 10 to $15 per recording. So to, I think, I think that drums up to like $300 total in thirties money. Okay. So, and if you're curious, I actually did the math on this because uh, huh. we had the Elvis one where it was like, what did he have in modern day money? Um, $300 in 1930 is roughly $4,900 in 2021. 
Wow. So about four thousand nine hundred to five thousand dollars in twenty twenty one. Wow. Yeah. So you, I don't think, and, and as a to somebody who would become, I think that's decent for like definitely a local guy. Probably. Oh yeah. Uh, five grand for twenty nine songs in two days. It's a lot. I think I would like to get a the view of a session musician. You know. Yeah. Like how much music they record in a day. Yeah. Because I wonder if that is considered a lot. 29 is probably a lot for anybody. Oh, yeah. I would think so. That's a lot of work. Man. Oh, but that's but there's five, dedication in that. There I is. Mean, a, there is so much. There's so much. Like, I mean, it goes back into, well, if I don't do a good job, I don't eat. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he's looking at what well, we're looking. He's looking at uh, five grand roughly for uh, two sessions. He didn't get all that at one time, by the way. Yeah. But uh, let's say he's looking at like twenty five hundred bucks, uh, for uh a shitload of work, but it's not sharecropping. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah. So uh, certainly attractive at the time, and he, I mean, I imagine he. Uh, I think in modern day, it's still considered low though for that much work. I don't know. Hmm. I have to get it. I like again. Again, I want to talk to a session guy at some point. Uh, let's see. Oh, so also when he died, um, people wouldn't hear about it. Uh, so they recorded in like 30, 37 was the late, the, uh, the last recording. Uh, he would die in 1938, but because of like the poor record keeping, nobody would find out till 1941. Oh, really? Yeah. Cause, uh, cause you know, people would go looking for him and then they would find out that he was dead. Oh, wow. Uh, cause people want to record him again. Cause he, you know, his, uh, he was like, um, the level of fame I think he was at is like imagine uh, a local band or somebody you know picking up steam and like good steam. Yeah. Like he's on his way to making it. Like people were starting to seek him out. Like his name was getting around. I think that's where we're talking about level wise if I if if I'm thinking right. Yeah. So he's like just like one more year and he's like he he is a tra- he's a professional musician. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, the, I think they they say he died near Greenwood, Mississippi. So, but okay. uh, we're gonna get into his death a little bit later. So that is some of like the the hard facts of like died nineteen thirty eight. Yep. Nobody would really find out till nineteen forty one. Wow. Um. Those are the hard numbers and details that we have that are very, I'd say, more or less verified. Okay. Now we're going to get into the legend of uh, of Robert Johnson. So, like, okay. this is the the myth that was that that came from the lack of information. It's two things: it's the lack of information, and it's how good he was. Yeah. Uh, coming together and like the this myth has got a lot of things that fuel it. I think it was pretty neat. Okay. So, um, as the legend goes, Robert Johnson went to the crossroads at midnight to become the greatest bluesman in the world. Uh, Johnson has said was said to have handed his his uh, guitar to the devil himself. Uh, in the center of the crossroads, the devil tunes the guitar. 
And before he gives the guitar back, he's like, if you take the guitar, you'll become the greatest uh, blues musician in the world or bluesman in the world. Oh, wow. But I get your soul. Like you trade your soul for this greatness. Okay. Yeah, that, that's good. So I say he Deal. takes, he uh, tunes the guitar, he takes it and then, you know, walks away and he has surrendered his soul to the devil himself. That's pretty metal. That's pretty metal. Um, so this myth is, comes from a guy, um, named Sonny, um, Sun House. Oh, wow. You could pin it down to like one guy who started the myth or. Yeah. So Sun House, it, well. Or like the spokesman for the myth. Probably the spokesman yeah. for the myth. Like there's, there's some people kind of saying it, but this is the guy, this is the guy probably saying it the most. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a good, really good way to put it. Um, he said that uh, he and another guitar player, another bluesman named Willie Brown, uh, would play at bars and clubs, and Johnson would show up to see them in like the audience. Like he's kind of like, um, Sunhouse and like Willie Brown would be like, were the the bigger guys at the time for like juke joints and stuff. Okay, and Robert Johnson excuse me would be somebody in the audience like it's like going to see your favorite musicians yeah maybe not consider them his favorite musicians i don't think he regarded them like that but admiring other people of the craft that were you know on their way to making it you know yeah people already regarded in like that mississippi tennessee area okay that's kind of where all yeah. this is happening um so one of the uh as a story, as Sun House, story goes, um, uh, Willie Brown and House would take breaks and they, you know, would go off to this, you know, they put the guitars and stands on stage, go out for a smoke break, drink, whatever. Yeah. Uh, take a break between sets. And then Johnson would actually grab the guitar, you know, and like goof off on stage. Oh, wow. Which modern day, you know, we're playing a bar or something. We don't really play uh, like sets per se. We play one set. Of yeah. original music um generally as just like if you're not like a cover band or something like that yeah um bands like us and other world like we'll play we'll, we have like our, our set set up but this is all discussed and like you know you line up a couple bands they play one set of original music or a cover or something yeah and it kind of rotates like that their situation is more like they don't have it's more of taking the job of like a juke you know jukebox or radio or something yeah they're the, they're the party music. It's like having a band come over and it's like they play for like, you know, 45 minutes, take a 15, come back, you know? Yeah. So that's what Brown and House are doing. So in, you know, in that interim of them getting a break, like it's, you know, cooling it for a second. Robert, imagine having your your instrument, which already um, I'm very particular about my instruments. Yeah. I they are I call them my my horses. They're my steeds. <laughs> Uh, I treat them very well. I have a, I have cases for, uh, I have a couple different shape of bases. Like, you know what I mean? For, yeah. You know, I've got hard cases for most of them or hard cases that mo that uh, they all will fit in one way or another, uh, that I try, you know, for when I travel, um, nobody messes with them. No, I have a guy or I will set them up. Yeah, exactly. I'm so particular about it. I know where they are when I'm not near it and I know somebody is around them. Yeah. Or I am with them. Yeah. Um, so needless to say, you wouldn't be very stoked I would, about yeah. someone going on stage and messing with your instrument. 
So that's me. Yeah. And I have a nine to five uh, that, that, that pays bills and stuff. Imagine being in their situation. That's your livelihood. Wow. On stage. Yeah. You can't just go to Guitar Center or order something. Uh, you can't you can't order new parts. There's no prime next day shipping. There's, There's... no next day shipping yeah. or any uh, you know music shop nearby. These dudes are walking everywhere, so they have to go to like a city or something to get through a guitar center because there's there's no local. Yeah, I used to keep saying guitar center like it's the only like it's like Coke. Yeah, Coke is not the only. There's no Sam Ash near there. Yeah, you know there's uh, you know people some people call like soda Coke. Like I'm gonna have oh, a yeah. Coke, but they really mean like they want a Pepsi or something. Yeah. So yeah, Guitar Center is that for me. There's no music shops. Yeah. Uh, anywhere near these dudes. Um. So imagine, you know, that's your that's your livelihood. The way you make money. That's your food. That's there. your food, and it is reliant on these really really thin metal strings not breaking. Oh man. And you have some dude you don't really know if you know him at all up on stage twanging away at it. Oh, you know. So, yeah, I'm surprised Johnson didn't die a lot earlier. Wow. Yeah. If that's true. Because I, I <laughs> a dude would not have some teeth if yeah. they were if they were touching my instruments, especially if it's the only way I'm eating. You know what I mean? Oh, man. Nah, nah, not happening. <laughs> uh, and and to to top all of that, the, the, the cherry on top of all that. Is that Johnson was? I hear stories of being, eh, like me at guitar. Yeah, to downright terrible. Really? Yeah, it is. I I hear that it. This wasn't, uh, you know, this this isn't the uh, oh he's not that bad, you know, like any eighties movie. No, he was bad. Oh wow, he was just not good. So, uh. He they didn't say whose guitar he would grab. I think he might have he might have like done this a couple times. I'm not sure. There's one wow, one time spoken of. I'm not gonna say verified, but it's one time spoken of. So it's like a little annoying guy, pretty young. Uh, like he's probably twenties, late twenties, Johnson at this point. Okay, yeah. so it's not like a little kid either. Yeah, you know, if he was like you know like twelve or something, it's like man, don't do that. You know. But uh, he's a he's a he's a man, full grown man. Yeah, you don't do that. Um, so they would like they would kind of like get on to him like like dude, stop doing it. You're annoying. You're annoying all these people. You know we got them all in a good mood with our music, and now we gotta we gotta win this crowd back over because you're out here making all this you know oh, wow this awful noise. And so Johnson apparently uh was kind of left saying like oh I'm I'm gonna be uh I'm coming back and I'm gonna be better than anybody here yeah they're like oh okay <laughs> oh, okay oh, okay <laughs> the best of luck there captain and uh you know he would left and he left from the bar in this um like i said spoke of time this happened and he like disappeared for over a year huh just whoosh, gone um which in 1930s is just somebody leaving your circle of friends you yeah. know what i mean <laughs> like yeah. Disappearing in the 30s is a lot different than disappearing in, yeah, like, yeah. in now. He didn't have to go through and delete his social media accounts. No, no. He's not just like just not like that guy on social media where he's like, I'm, I'm deleting everything. Bye, everyone. <laughs> See you, you know. 
you'll miss me or something. That's just so annoying when people oh, do that. Man. It's like, okay. All right, see you in two weeks <laughs> when this when this uh, attention grab didn't work. Yeah. Now, Robert Johnson just, like, left the town that knew him, basically. And that's how he disappeared. That's just how he disappeared in the 30s. Um, so he was gone, I saw, somewhere from a year to two years. It's no more than really two years. So I'm just going to say okay. over a year Yeah. in this situation. Uh, really kind of went... Um, uh, back and forth. Uh, when he reemerged, um, he had his own guitar, and he went up on stage. I think during one of these breaks, and it's, like, it's Sunhouse and Willie Brown traveled together uh, yeah. quite a bit. So what, what I read is what it sounded like. Um. So you know they see him, and it's like, oh, I remember this guy is that Johnson <laughs> guy. Uh, comes back, sits down with the guitar, blows people's minds. Well, blows their minds. That's uh, what happens when it's tuned by the devil. Tuned by the devil. Uh, yeah. So, like, uh, and these guys are Sunhouse and Willie Brown. I mean, they're good enough to play bars and stuff. Like, I imagine they're of like the more famous ones. Yeah. People came to see them. It's like, where is this guy playing? Wait, where's House playing? And it's like, oh, he's playing at this club. People would go. You yeah. Know, that like music would go to where these guys are playing. So these guys are pretty good and yeah. they're blown away they've never wow. like it's according to the story never heard blues played this way before nice uh that's them their devil blues the devil blues uh people are they don't know what to say like they're just blown away like away. that was a weird way to say that <laughs> blown away yeah <laughs> um he was okay to the fact that he was so good playing this night that Sunhouse believed the only way Johnson could have gotten this good in this uh, amount of time was that he sold his soul to the devil. <laughs> Imagine that. That's that's a level of superstition we're talking about that a guy's skill, uh, a musician's skill is so great. Yeah. That people think it's not real. Not only that his skill is so great when he returned, but that also goes to show how much they thought he sucked when he was there before. <laughs> that the only way to get even just good, to, but to get his skill level, he must have sold him, his soul to the devil. The devil. There's, there's no other way. <laughs> Rock on. Um, I think there's... um. Not like really to compare the two, really, but uh, I think there's a similar story to Randy Rhodes. I'm really? probably going to get into the yeah, Randy Rhodes is definitely somebody. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne's guitarist during the crazy tank, uh, crazy, yeah. crazy, crazy tank, the crazy train, uh, Mr. Crowley kind of era yeah. of Ozzy Osbourne. I, I think great era of Ozzy Osbourne, fantastic era, like the neoclassical thing. Ugh. Mr. Crowley is definitely my favorite song. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's. Um, mine's probably over the mountain. Mm. I think so. Okay, I think. I think. But uh, another episode to come. But uh, I think Randy Rhodes had a similar story because I know he was in a Quiet Riot. Yeah, and they said he wasn't good enough. <laughs> Randy Rhodes. Wow. <laughs> Randy wow. Rhodes. And I, I think that affected him, and he came back to become good enough to be Ozzy Osbourne guitar player. And yeah, Ozzy Osbourne was in Black Sabbath, like which was already a super famous band. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, that's so yep. So the got... devil. Could be. We'll see. So we'll 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 get into that myth in the future. No other way. No other. No other way. It's clearly the only explanation. That that blows my mind. But it just it just it goes to show. Like it, I just in one of the it's one of those situations. I so wish I could have been yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. To see it, like I want to, I, I have the right mindset too. Not with twenty twenty one understanding of music, like to be able to witness greatness like that for the yeah. first time. Uh, a guy so good that people thought, and a number of people. Sun Houses, like I said, is just like you said, actually, just a spokesperson for the myth is saying the only way this can happen, the, as a rational human being, yeah, <laughs> the only the the only way this guy got this good is he sold his soul to the devil. You know that's prob that is now my overall goal as a musician to be. I, I respect I, it. I don't even care if I really get too famous and, you know, selling out stadiums, stuff like that. But I want to be known as, <laughs> you know, that guy he probably sold a soul to the devil to get that good. There's no other way. It's the only way science explains it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, uh, that pick a destiny. Exactly, yeah. Which it's pick a destiny, by the way, you know, comes something very close to the Robert Johnson uh, oh, borrows yeah. a lot. Um, so speaking of borrows a lot, so Sun House's myth. Um, so the crossroads, like I said earlier, doesn't originate from Robert Johnson. It doesn't. Uh, there were crossroads are get feature a lot in folklore. And um, Sun House's story, like the the structure of it and some of the the elements, can be found in voodoo and hoodoo beliefs. Ooh, and um, the the beliefs are that um, oh sorry the beliefs came from uh, West African mer- West African beliefs merging with like Catholic beliefs. Okay. So, like, you know, like the Catholic, uh, the Catholicism has, like, saints. Yeah. The uh, hoodoo and voodoo have their own saints. Huh. That come from, they're kind of based on, like, African deities. Nice. Yeah. That's so, cool. Um, hoodoo and voodoo, like, it, voodoo kind of turns into hoodoo. They're, they're not the same. Um, I, I knew they weren't the same going into this, but I didn't know, like, I think hoodoo kind of, like, I think it starts off as voodoo, and it's V-O-D-O-U. Yeah. Pronounced voodoo. Um, it start, it, it, what, it, what it feels like is that it starts off as voodoo, a voodoo, and then hoodoo is kind of like once it changes, like hoodoo take, like, I believe it's like once it comes into the United States, hoodoo kind of happens. Huh. So it's like the first generation removed from voodoo and like okay. getting changed once it comes into the United States. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how it goes. I, it, there's, there's, there's more, there's a lot more ground we need to cover. So I couldn't stay on this too long. I go, I apologize. So I'm not claiming to be any kind of expert on this particular section of it, but yeah. Um, voodoo and hoodoo is largely practiced amongst Haitian immigrants who came up from the Caribbean through Louisiana. Huh. So come Caribbean come from the Caribbean through Louisiana and then kind of spread out through the South. 
That's cool. Yeah. So that's when you're like, you, uh, you hear a lot of like Louisiana, like, uh, Marie Laveau and things like that. Yeah. And they get a lot of French names too. Why it's so heavy in New Orleans and in New Orleans. Yeah. Why it's so heavy there is like, it's, that's where like it, uh, the inception happened from yeah. coming up from the, the islands and stuff. Yeah, that was really cool. There's, there's a lot of cool, like, uh, I'm going to definitely do some research on like voodoo and hoodoo to understand more of it. Cause yeah. Yeah. A lot of different beliefs. And one of the examples where Crossroads shows up in voodoo in particular is that if um, uh, a person wanted to speak to one of the African deities, they would need to meet. Uh, so there's like a, the deities and then there's these like lesser, um, not lesser, but they're not full blown gods, kind of like okay. servants, kind of, kind yeah. of, that makes sense. Of the bigger deities, uh, I think there's like I think like that's where the saints come in, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, yeah. So like the saints, and there's the bigger deities, and there's the, there's the saints, and one of these like saintly, one of these saints slash uh, messenger deities of like specifically crossroads is Papa Legba. If you've heard that Ooh. name, they have the, the, the all the names are so dope. Yeah, um, it's not like John. Yeah. <laughs> yes, come meet. John at the crossroads. <laughs> yes, I, I come to speak with the Lord, with the, the grand deity. May I speak with Rusty? <laughs> yes, yes. Please, please, Lord Stephen, Lord. please help me. <laughs> I come to you now, Hank of the crossroads. <laughs> New Orleans, Hank, uh, New Orleans. like King of the Hill. Yeah, kids. No, it's just it's Hank. It's, it's Hank Hill. Just a I'll tell you what. <laughs> Come on down to the crossroads. <laughs> Sell your soul to the devil. <laughs> that boy ain't right. <laughs> the bigger deity, of course, would be Bobby. <laughs> I'll tell you what. That'd be awesome. Uh, but yeah, they have, it's like Papa Legba is a, so uh, cool. is, it's such a, oh, the names are so dope. And some of them, like I said, get that French thing, like Marie Laveau. Yeah. It's so good. Um, she was like a witch though, so she's she's Ooh. kind of like a she's not connected. It's a specifically Louisiana thing, oh, Marie okay. Laveau, but yeah. she's like a witch. That yeah, that's a whole other thing. But Papa Legba is our uh, our our guy for the crossroads and and who folklore. And so through time, uh, Legba changes into other things that turn into like, you know, Papa Legba would be kind of not christianized but the role where he occupies turns into the actual like devil himself once it becomes Ooh, more christian that's cool if you know what i mean like yeah some of like the the hoodoo flavoring kind of comes off and it becomes the story gets like telephoned over and over and over yeah. and once you get further away from the source the you know it it leaves more and more of its roots behind so exactly it, and gets more influenced by like Christianity, especially once you get into the United States. Oh yeah. So Papa Legba, for example, becomes the actual devil or a demon. And in our case, it's yeah. the devil of the crossroads. So instead of being the messenger of the crossroads, uh, the crossroads are known as liminal spaces in different cultures. And liminal spaces basically means like a doorway between two worlds. So like limbo. 
Uh, kind, kind of, sort of like a, being yeah. stuck between two things. Yeah, so that would work. But uh, it's it's uh, basically like a, a point where like one reality and another reality meet, like the supernatural reality crossing. Oh, into, that's cool. And like that's where the two like meet. And, yeah, you know that's where you get to talk to you know Papa Legba or the devil is at the special point where like it's like the it's like thinner where one can cross over kind of thing. That's cool. Yeah, very, very significant because um, imagine being, you know, you, we see them all the time, you know, when you're driving and stuff. So imagine being a person who's like seeing it first person, you know, walking and never seen an aerial view of like, yeah. you know, you don't have a GPS showing you where you're at. So a crossroads would be kind of a significant thing. It also represents so many choices you have to make Yeah, if you don't really know where you're going. But uh, in, our, cool. in our case, yeah, crossroads mean the uh, connection of two worlds. Ooh. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, and just extra fact, in Rosedale, Mississippi, the residents claim that the uh, intersection of highways one and eight uh, are the, is the crossroads that Johnson used to sell his soul. Huh. Um, but of course, there's no records, especially of, a, of this myth, yeah. Uh, other than word of mouth. So it's all what people say it could be. Like yeah. people in Memphis claim a crossroads because of where he would have traveled. Um, and there's just no verification of it. That, that, that will never be uh, verified, verified by yeah. any means. Uh, his actual resting place is one of three cemeteries because wow. they don't know which one is real. Wow. Yeah, That's they don't know like cool. where he died, so they just gave him three different, three different churches gave him a a, a, a site. That's awesome. Awesome and kind of sad because you yeah, don't know. I mean, true. two of them, if maybe not all three of them, are empty. Oh wow! Yeah. So, uh, no, I, I believe he is in one of them. Sorry, like yeah, but he's in one of them. But which one? Huh. And I don't know that they're going to dig anything up because that's very disrespectful. Yeah. Because it's not like it's not like to figure out how he died. It's like, which one, you know, where's where's the blues player? Can you follow? <laughs> keep your eye on, you know, it's there's no real reason to. Yeah. Yeah. So be super rude. Um, credence to the to Johnson's myth uh, can also be found in the songs that he sang, like his actual lyrics. So not all of them, but a number of the songs have references to uh uh hoodoo and you know some hoodoo stuff but also references to the devil and the crossroads itself at least in the titles but uh in the crossroad blues johnson sings about an age uh an age old man's uh the age old man's struggle of like a choice between good and evil uh, I went to the cross and like, crossroad blue crossroad blues it says i went to the crossroads fell down on my knees Slash ask the Lord above, have mercy, have uh have mercy now, save poor Bob if you please. Oh. So yeah, twirl the mustache. That's cool. Uh, another song specifically, uh one called Hellhounds on My Trail. Oh. Self explanatory. Yeah. And Me and the Devil Blues. Oh. <laughs> that's like it's like he knew people would ask the question, so it's just kind of like an on the nose. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, some of Johnson's, like I said earlier, uh, lyrics contain hoodoo references. Like, in, for example, 
Hellhounds on my trail references references something called hot foot powder. And it is a magical talisman powder type stuff that keeps unwanted company away, including devils. Oh, that's actually pretty cool. So like a, in a superstitious sense, uh, there's actually an episode of Supernatural, which is a guilty pleasure of mine. Yeah. Um, a really cool episode or like it involves hellhounds and uh, they, they, like, they're trying to save this guy from hellhounds in the story. And uh, he basically tells them, no, I've made my choices. Like I asked for talent. I became a painter, but he never became famous. Oh, wow. In the, in the show. Uh, and he said, uh, you know, I just want to finish my painting. And he said, like, I'm accepting my, my fate because I made the choice. Yeah. And it's important for the characters and blah, blah, blah uh, to see that. But what he has, and that is, I think he calls it mojo powder. Huh. But really what I believe it's, it, it's also known as hot foot powder. And that's what he used to like spread along all the doorways, which is like the point. Like there's a significance to the point of entry in a house. Huh. Or like a dwelling. So it's like they're not just going to come bursting through the walls. In a metaphorical sense, but I mean, like if it yeah. was, if something was really coming to get you, you know, you know what I mean? But like any entryway of the house, he would put this powder and it like kept the hellhounds out. And it's kind of the same idea of going with hot foot powder. It's, huh. it's to keep um, unwanted company away from you. It's like, a, it's a protection. Yeah. Uh, so uh, basically it says in the song, Hellhounds on my trail that he uses the hot foot powder and that he travels so much. Okay. <laughs> that was ghost, by the way, our, <laughs> our studio cat. <laughs> Thanks buddy. <laughs> that lovely Foley sound. Oh, he's mad now. Um, so basically in hellhounds on my trail, he's uh he's saying that he travels so much because he's running from the hellhounds that are chasing him. Oh, wow. So that explains his going from like town to town. And, yeah. Like, using, anything he can to buy himself more time. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and the song me and the devil blues is about the devil knocking on his door, telling him it's time to go. Oh, wow. It's time to come on home. Wow. So those are like the, the things that kind of like fed into it. It's like, it's like saying something about somebody and them doing things to be like, huh? Mm, see, he did that. That makes it makes yeah. this true. But also smart on him for kind of like, I definitely think he played into that. it. Yeah. yeah, I definitely think he played into it for sure. Because I mean, word gets around. I'm sure he. I'm sure he heard about it. You know. Oh yeah. You know, it's not uh, communication's not impossible in the 30s. Yeah. So. And there was a guy before him that definitely fed into the superstition stuff that surrounded his, his, you know, his clout, sort of. Yeah. So the guy before him definitely did that, too. And he was aware of it. So I'm sure Robert Johnson uh, would have done something similar. Yeah. Um, yeah, for, for sure. So now we're going to get into explanations and possible meanings for some of the myth that surrounds okay. Robert Johnson. Yeah. So we've explored the myth itself, selling his soul to the, uh, to the devil to be for musical greatness. Okay. Uh, Deal. Ripped <laughs> uh, apart by hellhounds though. I mean, how long do you get? How long do you think you get? How, uh, well, how long do you think it's looking you're... like 27? <laughs> Let's say it's 27. <laughs> I only got two more years. Oof. <laughs> I don't know if it... It's a raw deal, my friend. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's worth. I don't think it's worth a lot. It's got to happen in two years. Yeah, to make that worth it. Ooh. 
I don't know. I I I, I mean I'm I'm already past that, so nah, nah, bro. That's a that's a no for me, dog. I think uh, Keith Richards is going to be part of the 127 club. <laughs> Keith Richards, like Keith Richards, has survived enough, and is. I hear that he's like the other members of the Rolling. From Craig Ferguson tells us these great stories of the other members of the Rolling Stones are actually scared of Keith Richards. <laughs> I believe that like he'll just keep living. I think Keith Richards will outlive all of us. It's a race between him and Betty White. Every cigarette anyone smokes, you add 10 years to Keith Richards' life. I think he gets healthier the more he smokes. Yeah. That's... It's beyond science, because science is comprehension. (laughs) No one knows why he's still alive. It just shouldn't work, but it has been working. And uh, he hasn't really aged past, uh, what, 60, late 60s? Yeah. He just looks perpetually 60-something, which isn't a great deal, but, like, it isn't a, when we say great deal, like, it isn't, like, a forever-looking 25. Yeah. (laughs) He looks every bit past 60, 70. It's a good, he doesn't look immortal, but he might be. (laughs) He might. (laughs) Which is why he's getting away with it. (laughs) Is Keith Richards a Highlander? (laughs) Is he just, is he just waiting for that epic sword duel? Oh, man. I feel like he would play a perfect live action Rick from Rick and Morty. That would be. <laughs> I don't know about him. I don't know about him being Rick, but uh, definitely some just immortal dude. Why is there like an immortal like? Uh, he what if like what if the character doesn't even care? Like people know. I mean, he's, Keith Richards is one of the most famous people ever. Yeah. No really cares. Just subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched a number. I've I've seen a Keith Richards documentary, and then I've seen him, and he's peppered in a bunch of different documentaries about Robert Johnson, and you know different. He's in. I, I bet he's in more documentaries than some actors are in actual films. Wow, he's been alone. He's been alive that long, and he's experienced so much, and he knows so much about music. Yeah, namely blues players and stuff. He's a walking yeah. library. <laughs> I, he's one of the people I think uh, also needs to make a podcast, and it's just like, what happened this subtitled? Di- what happened? Yeah, just like a like a speaking spell. It's just like him mumbling in the background, and it's like on this day, nineteen sixty four. I yeah yeah, uh, or I just have an interpreter, but yeah, just like day in the life of Keith Richards from like thirty years ago. What happened? It'd be fascinating. <laughs> Uh, so explanations for the Robert Johnson possible, let's say possible explanations. Okay, yeah. Again, really hard to verify all this information. A lot of hearsay. Yeah. Um. So we were talking about earlier about blues players, not a uh, bluesman being not the most reputable career choice. Yeah. Okay. Um. So already the blues was considered. It was consi- considered. What am I doing? <laughs> all I'm supposed to, all I have to do for the podcast is speak correctly. <laughs> and I can't do that. Wow. We're we're doing it though. We're, we're doing it anyway. We're, we're doing it. Thank you for being my emotional support. We got this. We got this. Um so the blues was already considered devil's or like sinner's music already. Yeah. So not just from Robert Johnson, 
not just from the guy before him, but it was already considered it was already it already had a negative connotation to yeah. it. Yeah. So uh it's kind of like uh metal in like the late seventies, eighties kind of thing, if you can think well, these people certainly went through more. Yeah. Yeah. The blues players certainly went through more. But yeah, I guess but the, I guess I, the point of reference for us. Yeah. As far as the connotation with yeah. it, it's like, oh that that there's devil music. Yeah, point of let's say point of context. Yeah. Uh for us is that it's like that of like the eighties and nineties or like, you know, think of like your parents not approving of some of your music. I mean, my parents weren't necessarily thrilled of me listening to Megadeth or like Children of Bodum. Um could you imagine like in the sixties and like, <laughs> are you listening to Robert Johnson? <laughs> that's that's what it was. Well, well I need to take you to church more often. Well that's uh that's not far from yeah. it. But imagine in the entire community. Wow. That's actually poor that's probably I mean, that's probably dead on actually. Um but the point the best point of reference we have of that is like your parents not approving of your music. But imagine that situation with the parents about I don't know exponentially worse yeah <laughs> when an entire town or like so juke joints by the way going back to that word earlier we're not in big parts of town oh these weren't like your high class no establishments no so if these guys if blues guys got to play in town it's on a street corner and that's if they let them play there oh wow uh have you ever heard of the term cutting heads? No. Um, that it, what that means is that uh, you'll have, and I would, I would hear about, well, I where like the, uh, the blues guitar dueling thing comes from. Yeah. Uh, comes from like having blues players on different sides of the street or really near each other. Oh. And cutting heads is basically where they try to outdo each other. Yeah. So you get this like, it's literally a battle for life yeah. between the two of them because the loser a loses all their like respect from like, the people nearby that know them. Yeah. In that situation. And then two, the other guys get all the tips. Yeah. You know, they it's just a, lost their food. They lost their food it is literally like, dang, that's how these like dudes it, live. It like held the weight of like a cowboy duel. Really, it did. I mean, really, it did. I would love to see a movie that portrays the tense, like the tense nature. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, yeah, that's your, that's your livelihood. You gotta set up shop somewhere else, basically. Now, yeah. If you lost that one, yeah, I was like, yeah, this is like, well, this is a, this is a Brown Street now. I guess, uh, I guess I gotta go carry on, you know, a couple streets over, and nobody knows this dude because I just, I just got my ass kicked. But there is something to say about like, oh, let me go a few streets over where no one knows me yet. <laughs> a fresh every every loss is a is the opportunity for a fresh start. One door closes and another one gets slammed in your face, but the next one, <laughs> one more mile and it's a whole new world. One more, in 1930, yeah, and then they could also just disappear by yeah leaving. 1930, you just tell people a different name and nobody could know the no one know the difference. Yeah, you know, um. But uh, blues music uh, in the 30s in rural Mississippi Mm. yeah, was not uh, popular music. Yeah. 
So, and also juke joints, by the way. Yeah, these are in the uh, lesser parts of town. So basically like your poor districts and however you want to call it. These, that's where these places were. And um, of those places, those places had to accept, you know, they had to be accepting of blues players. Yeah. Slim pickings. Yeah. It is not, uh, it is a, a, a risky life. It's, it's literally risking your life to do what you like to do. It's not like yeah. a, going back to our situation or any local musician or musician today, really. Very, very few instances you're going to find where it's like life or death. I'm good at this or I die. It's like, and I, and I want to say 99.9% of the cases, it's I'm good at this or I have to get a job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I have to fill out an Indeed on uh, an Indeed uh, uh, <laughs> LinkedIn account. LinkedIn. I have to make a link. I have to make an account somewhere and apply for jobs. Yeah. You know, it's. No, these these it's totally different. Yeah, nowadays you can find just about any like pub or you know a West Grill. There's still skill involved. There's, there's not a like, lot of. It's still tough. But I'm the like, options that we have nowadays yes. is there's a lot of places you can go out and play. Literally a world more options. Oh yeah, than these dudes had. Because uh, even in their communities, like, even in the African American community. Like, it's not like they all accepted blues guys either. Oh. No. It's like, devil music. It's devil music, literally. Like, it's, uh, you know, they, you had your, your uh, people that went to church didn't listen to blues music. Wow. You know, uh, they thought it was... Because uh, blues... those are not my kind of people then. Really? Yeah, it's just that I don't hang out with those people because it's like, yeah. oh, I don't want... You know, those are, those are, the, those are sinners. Because uh, wow. the music would... Uh, the music would contain, like... Uh, like in church, like you've got uh, what? Like you you come to church and then like you, you get pastor and stuff. But like, um, I, I in one of the uh, the documentaries I was watching talked about how uh, at one point, uh, a lot of the the churches would only be filled with like women because all the a lot of the men would be at like juke joints <laughs> and stuff like that. So like, uh, so it's like their version of like a strip club today. Kinda, yeah. I mean, it's like it's, it's frowned a, upon. It's, it's considered like, like a not. It's considered a sinful place. Yeah. Like there's alcohol. There's gambling. All the vices wrapped up. In, wow. You know, one. So uh, the uh, you know this then began the it you know you need to come to church. A, it's a, you're you're a sinner for missing church, and B double time center for going to these places and yeah then, you know you have to find that guilty person and it's the blues guy that's the problem here oh yeah you know it's uh yeah it's not like it's uh it was accepted in even the limited factions that they were allowed to yeah. play um but a lot of the lyrics also like to so in any like i don't want to say it wasn't really like a counterculture thing but any not with the mainstream culture thing, uh, it's going to kind of come back pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, and be like, oh, you don't like me? Well, you're really not going to like me now. Because a lot of like, uh, sometimes the blues guys would take like Christian hymns. Oh, wow. <laughs> and change the lyrics. That's awesome. Uh, there was, I think there was one song about uh, squeezing a lemon till the juice runs down your leg. <laughs> it's. Yeah, and what is this song? Uh, that, that, that one's not specifically a a, 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 a Christian hymn. <laughs> I think Led Zeppelin covers that song. What? 
And yeah, the Robert Plant. I think wow. I, I saw a video where he's, he's he sings that specific line. But the 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 they're usually covered up in like clever uh, metaphors. Like yeah. they're not directly saying the you know the act itself or like being that super crude with it. But they're being most of the time they're it's like a, a metaphor you think about it. It's like why would he say oh that's not what he means. <laughs> um, but the lyrics would be about uh, there's actually legit love songs though a lot of lot of lost love yeah yeah blues songs uh you know sad songs about life experiences the devil comes up in other blues songs oh not just Robert Johnson's but the devil comes up usually probably avoiding the devil oh yeah um sex you know the lemon thing uh drinking oh that was a sexual reference. <laughs> Ah, why would you put vitamin C in your leg like that? That's not going to prevent scurvy. <laughs> I guess you can get leg scurvy. <laughs> doesn't help you walk farther. I, I, don't, I don't understand. It helps with cramps, uh, I'm assuming. Uh, <laughs> why would you have to squeeze it? Why would you just... I don't know. Are you seasoning your legs or something? <laughs> well, when life gives you lemons. I suppose you squeeze it on your leg. Uh, again. <laughs> just missing the point. <laughs> Um, yeah, so do especially the 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 hems borrowing the uh yeah. the the notes of Christian songs uh would really really piss off that community as well, yeah, so I think they would do that intentionally to be like i it's either a they just really like the melodies and it's not like someone's gonna hunt them down for copyright, you know, yeah, back in those days, back yeah. in those days, I think even really now, I mean there's not i mean it, of like the original like OG Christian songs. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, cover you know, those as many times as you want. You're yeah, not really gonna get a fine. Yeah, it's like yeah, you're not gonna. You're, it's like like public domain didn't really exist in the 1930s, but I mean it'd be the yeah. same. It's like you can do anything about it. Uh, two, so they, so one, they actually just really liked it, or two, it was it was to get back at the. uh oh. it's, it's to to get that jab in. Yeah, for uh those prudish you know church people at the time i guess um skip church come to the to the, we have we have ham songs as well <laughs> come to the juke joint we got satan <laughs> uh there's also a possible explanation for johnson's newfound guitar abilities oh um so like practice not far from it actually um in the year or so that he disappeared, um, he sought out a man named Ike Zimmerman. Okay. Who was also like a, uh, a also a blues guitar player, pretty good one, singer songwriter. Had his own kind of mythos around him, uh, because he would practice in graveyards. Oh. He would sit on tombstones and practice in graveyards. <laughs> so imagine doing that in like this already really superstitious uh wow yeah uh, really playing off of it well yeah i don't even know if that he meant to i don't even know if he meant to do that but uh he definitely um uh he's they, it's verified that he well again yeah as much as it can be, be verified that he did do that. Like everybody that talks about Ike Zimmerman's like this dude practices in the graveyard and this is where he gets his like evil black magic, yeah. dark powers yeah. uh, from I'll have to try that out. Uh, and so he would have Robert Johnson 
uh, I guess they would practice there because what he did. Because Ike Zimmerman and Robert Johnson, as far as I'm to read, did actually meet. Okay. And they did actually practice in graveyards. Wow. So whatever, and that there's an alternate version of the selling of the soul situation where it happens in a graveyard. Um, but there's a sad and more literal interpretation of that uh, story, and it's that they did do it, but they practiced in a graveyard because they wouldn't get bothered. Oh. And it was quiet. Yeah. Because you think of like the places where you... Let's put that... Let's, let's have like a, a, a moment to think of that as well. Like think of considering their options at this time. Where are all the places you can practice? Yeah, it's not like there's just... It's not like there's a lot. Yeah. Um, where you're absolutely not going to get bothered. Like, Because even if you pick like... A, I don't know, uh, an empty lot somewhere. Um, and you hang out, like you still going to get possibly harassed by like the passerby. Yeah. I mean, probably, I mean, likelihood of which maybe kind of low, but still, um, and a spot like a, an open field that's quiet. Cause I mean, they still like, they had like not many like industrial machines, but kind of had yeah. some machines coming in to do farm stuff. So too, and then three, like, who goes to a graveyard late at night? Because it's spooky. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't want to say uh, do it, but, I mean, think of a graveyard, yeah. and would you go at 12 of the night? Hang out? Yeah. Might on Halloween, because it's spooky, but uh, I, don't, I don't really uh, see myself doing that. Yeah. Because uh, no matter how not superstitious you are, you're going to be a little uncomfortable, I bet you. Yeah. If it's one percent, you're still kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So oh, and that's just the options these dudes had. You know what I mean? Like having to think of like, where does absolutely no human being want to be right now? That's where I'm gonna go practice. Yeah. And uh one of the things I think uh it's one of the things I, I, I came across that uh Zimmerman's logic for it was like no one here's gonna complain. <laughs> So just yeah. you know, um, the, yeah, but yeah, I, I was thinking about that when uh, I, I was trying to think of like places to practice. I'm like, it's not not a hotel room. That paper yeah. thin walls of like the hotels these dudes could stay in, and wow, that yeah. dude next to you would punch through that wall to tell you to quit playing. I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> um, no matter how good you are, sleep. You're gonna. You know, I want to sleep. Yeah, time for you to quit. <laughs> Um, so, and also we get into, there's also some more, uh, literal, well, there's possible more literal meanings to like the lyrics as well. Huh. Um, so going back to Hellhounds on his trail, um, the song is like, the song features him talking about Hellhounds chasing him. And that's the reason he's got to like travel around giving a, yeah. uh, a meta reason you know, for his actual traveling around as a musician. Yeah. You know, the plight of the blues man. But, um, again, remember, he's, I think he specifically is two generations away from, like, being an actual slave. Like, his yeah. great-great-grandfather actually was a slave. Wow. Um, so, if he, I, I'm not sure if he, I doubt that he met, like, his great-great-grandfather, but, um, uh, Hellhounds 
I think also were featured in other songs by other musicians. And one of the ideas of the, one of the interpretations that it could be is that it's literal hounds chasing escaped slaves. Oh, wow. So that's like, imagine, you know, hearing that firsthand from like your great, great grandfather that, you know, was lucky yeah. to be alive. Um, that would, it would be horrifying. Yeah. You know, so the imagery is that it's trying to escape. And like, there, I think there's like, um, with like the hot foot powder, I believe it's like things to throw off dog scent. Oh, wow. So it's like, I, uh, I, I'm not, I don't want to, I couldn't find what it could actually be, like what it would be, you know, made of, but stuff to throw off your scent from dogs, man. That's crazy. It's brutal. It's, it's so, like, it just adds, I mean, the myth stuff's cool. I'm all about the myth stuff. And that's what drew me to this in the first place. But when you, if, like and some of the other uh, one of the uh, one of the I, I only did like one more because like I guess there's so much to it um, that makes it so much sadder. Yeah, it's pretty deep. Like, it's so deep, and that comes back to those world weary, like legit suffering, like actual problems. Yeah, just not. Oh, Facebook was down for a day. Real problems. Like, yeah, like problems. I have not had any problems compared to this no. dude. No, not at all. No, no. It puts you. It puts your shit in perspective. You're yeah. like, maybe I'm not having such a bad day. Oh man, my milk spoiled. Well, I can go get more have... milk. Yeah. <laughs> Today was fantastic. Yeah. I got a flat tire. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it didn't happen. Um. Yeah. No. It makes it so much sadder. And like, there's the expression like, uh, art is you know, not an expression, but um, that art comes from pain. Yeah. And it. It adds so much to it. It really humbles you. It really, really does. And uh, one of the other ones was uh, the song Crossroad Blues. Yeah. So we're actually, you know, we think we're actually talking about uh, an actual crossroad. Where, well, we actually we're talking about an actual crossroad, but why are we talking about a crossroad? And uh, the song, one of the interpretations of the song is just describing a guy trying to hitchhike. And the oh. dangers of uh, an African American trying to hitchhike along the road in the 1920s in the Deep South. Yeah, how dangerous? Literal. Yeah, that's super scary because you just have the wrong truck pull up next to you and you're dead. Yeah. Wow. And especially if you're traveling alone, you know. Yeah. It's spooky. Well, it's, it's so much more than spooky. I just I have no I know well, I, I have mean, no context for it. Yeah, even in today's day and age, you know, we're taught like, hey, just don't. Besides Uber and Lyft and things like that, we're taught, hey, don't get into someone's car. Don't get in the car know. with a stranger. But I'm going to have an app that calls a stranger. Yeah. yeah. Who just yells my name, and I could just be like, <laughs> what they put on my toe tag. <laughs> you know. I I yeah, I mean I've, I've used uh both of the apps or whatever when i'm on like a trip or something but uh uh yeah this it's so backwards yeah with, with those apps but yeah just the just the dangers of getting from there's there's so much yeah there's so much peril that could happen and at any point of his of a of somebody in his era and his situation yeah. um you know you go to record 
getting to the recording studio, trying to just get a gig to eat, to live. Yeah. And, you know, walking there can be deadly. Like, when was the last time you're on a walk, just like on a jog or something, and you actually have the actual fear that someone's going to pull up to you and just murder you? Well, actually, that's what I was going to mention. When I was in high school... Oh my god, do you have this story? I I snuck out (laughs) of my house a lot when I was in high school. Uh, And I would walk to a girlfriend's house that lived like a couple blocks down the street. Yeah. But it was like a main street. And I had to wait till everyone was asleep, so I left pretty late at night. And, you know, I was middle high school doing this, so I was pretty pretty scared of just walking in the dark, you know? It wasn't even, like, the fact that I was uh, in danger too much, but... Because, I mean, it was streetlights, you know, past stores. Some of them were even still open. Like, I think O'Brien's was still open in Plant City, but just the fact of walking by myself at night. Yeah. I carried some knives on me. Just to, just <laughs> yeah. to make sure. Oh, but, I, I imagine a, a number of blues guys were probably armed to some degree if they were lucky. Yeah. yeah. If they could choose to be, I'm sure they were. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I wanted to actually at this point get into his actual death. So there's mystery surrounding it. But at the end of the day, we do have a body somewhere. So um, he didn't get he didn't just like die and nobody found him. I mean, okay. he died and nobody found out. But there is like there was an official death certificate, which means he wow. was yeah. in a coroner's office. You know, people found. Yeah. Him. It says nobody knew about it because that just the information just didn't get out. So on his official death certificate, they say it was complications from syphilis. Hmm. Um, but I mean, that's all it's, there's no, like, there's no autopsy done. Yeah. Um, certainly no biopsy in the thirties as reliable as that could be. So that's basically the best guess somebody had was that like, it's, that's not, yeah. So, but what people, um, in 2006, they, um, there was a guy, a, a medical, some, some dude, a medical a practitioner named David Connell suggested based on the photographs I was talking about. Yeah. Uh, especially the one where he's got the cigarette and he's holding the guitar and he's like looking at the camera. And when you'll notice one of his eyes is significantly different than the other, like the, the, yeah. the iris looks kind of weird. Based on those kind of, and he had really long fingers too. Huh. Like he was a slender guy and he had long fingers. Um, like I was watching him like hold his guitar. And it's almost like he still has the guitar in his hand. He can still get his fingers to touch like his. Wow. His hands are big, which is very handy for a guitar player. Yeah. Um, Literally. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, wow. I'm so disappointed in myself. <laughs> um, so based on the seeing the picture, seeing the eye was the biggest thing. Um, and those things could together that uh, he may have had a thing called 
Marfarin syndrome. That's M-A-R-F-A-N syndrome. Huh. Um, I'm hoping I'm saying that right. Yeah. Um, you know, medical terms. So this could have both affected his guitar playing and contributed to, contributed to his uh, death due to aortic dissection. Well, I mean, he also, they could have put as his cause of death just being a blues player in the 30s. Yeah. I mean, just not surprised. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a hard, hard life. Hard. Way harder than we could ever understand in today's day. Yeah. It's world. Um, so it's a, so Mafarin syndrome is a, an, is a rare multi, I'm trying to read this as correctly as I can. Uh, going back to me trying just to speak correctly, <laughs> a rare multi, uh, system, a rare multi-systemic genetic disorder that affects connective tissue in the body. Okay. Wow. So, uh, especially like with like your heart, like, yeah. uh, 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 and how that functions and people with this tend to be really tall, thin with long arms, legs, fingers, and toes. Huh? So he was a, he was a tall, thinner man. And I mean, no information on his toes, but, very, very, very large fingers and the eye thing. Hmm. Uh, they also happen to have overly flexible joints and eventually get uh, scoliosis. So died wow. at 27, uh, scoliosis being like your uh, uh, the back bending. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe like, so he wasn't described as being hunched over. So maybe he was either too young. Again, this is a, this is a, hypothesis i don't believe this guy this guy's going off a picture he doesn't have doesn't have any kind of material to work with nothing this is just a professional going this is what i think okay um so also uh it causes uh complications with the heart and aorta and uh you could have like an aortic aneurysm that leads to risks with that like yes but it's rare um one of the more so that that's 2006 that's you know what the more mod i think that's the most modern recent theory that we come up with it's so far we've got could be sibling but somebody just just yeah who know nothing was again that's speculation more speculation 2006 with the uh mafarin syndrome now, what is mostly attributed to his death is uh, this word of mouth uh, situation, and it was that he was poisoned. Huh. Uh, so, this is probably like in his. This is probably the one that uh, before two thousand six, and the two thousand six one. I don't know that it's very popular. I think it's just one of the theories. Okay. This is the most popular his actual death oh. uh theory so we've got we've kind of got two theories tonight um so this this one is the most the most people i believe will uh one people will believe yeah how he died and it's that he was poisoned by the jealous husband of a woman that he was hitting on because robert oh. johnson got around saw a lot of lemons saw a lot of lemons. <laughs> um, yeah, so he was well-traveled, let's okay, say, yeah. and he flirted a lot, and it didn't matter 
if they were married and um the husband seeing this is um basically the story goes that uh uh the either she hands him a bottle of whiskey uh, or the husband hands him a bottle of whiskey i ah uh, the one I think it gets more passed around is that the husband sees him flirting with his wife, and you would think he'd just go over and like punch him or something. Allegedly, he goes and uh, gets a bottle of whiskey, like a, a nice whiskey, and hands it to Robert Johnson. Uh, and this story comes from Sonny Boy Williamson, by the way. Okay. Fellow blues man who was uh, allegedly at the same gig. Because Robert Johnson was at a... At a um, Oh man, what's the name of the place? It's the Three Forks Inn, I think huh. it was. The juke joint again. He's playing yeah. a you know playing at a bar and hits on this hits on this lady. This lady's married, husband doesn't like it, brings a bottle of whiskey over to Robert Johnson, who's with Sonny Boy Williamson. Yeah. To set the scene more proper. So uh, the story goes that uh, Robert John, it was a nice whiskey, nice ish whiskey for you know what he's used to. Yeah, he goes and he goes to drink out of it, but the seal of like the, the bottle was opened, the seal was broken, huh? Uh, which means it could have been opened. And Williamson says that he, you know, knocks the bottle of whiskey out of his hand and he says, You do not drink out of any bottle you haven't seen opened yourself or that you don't didn't open. Wow. Which I think is a piece of advice we could all live. Yeah. We, we should all carry with, with us. Um, you know, don't drink anything at a party that, uh, A, you know, it's a new, like it's a new place you've never been. Yeah. That uh, you've sat down and walk away from and come back to. Yeah. Don't. Don't leave your drinks unattended. Don't leave your drinks unattended. You can get a fresh one. Probably be better anyway. Yeah. But in this case, you know, and this is the life advice uh, a travel blues person uh, would know. And I think that it's just one of the things they had to be worried about is being mm. poisoned. Wow. Uh, and uh, he, he told him, don't drink out of a bottle that you haven't seen opened or opened yourself. And according to Williamson, Robert Johnson was like, don't you ever knock whiskey out of my hand again. And then just boom. He wow. picks it up and he drinks it. And Apparently, he drinks like most all of it like that night. And then um, he I think over the course of two days, he uh, I think that night, especially he felt sick already. Yeah. Uh, and people would try to get him to play and he couldn't play. And this is like the Robert Johnson who is climbing the the mountain now. Like we're. Yeah. He's rising to fame. Like he's already done his recordings. We're in 1938. You know, he's he's a recorded um, musician who's got a couple records out, like little singles or, yeah. you, know, uh, you know, passed around. Like, he's he's got clout. He's that he's gaining that momentum. Like, he's a he's a relatively he's a local famous guy. Yeah. Not to mention um, that the the devil stuff, the crossroads myth, uh, him. He's a mysterious figure. The ladies like. Yeah. Um, all that's around. him. Like, he's a pretty famous guy. And, you know, people come to see him at his shows now. And, you know, so he's got a lot of people around him. And then, you know, they want him to play. It's like, Robert Johnson, get on stage, man. We're here to yeah. see you play. And he yeah. can't. And he's because he's like, you know, they say he's he's sick. And he spends like the next two or three days, like, coughing up blood and stuff. And that's how he dies. Wow. Because he, he dies of poisoning. 
and they say it's like it was a it was a nasty it wasn't like a, he closed his eyes and he just went to sleep you know yeah he's, you know with a big smile no he's suffering for like two days and then his two or three days and his body just gives out wow brutal um so a couple of theories to actually what the poison was. So theory on theory on theory. Yeah. And I'm saying it like this. I say theories again because a lot of people attribute that to how he actually died. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people. Even like there's a documentary on Netflix that said that the uh, it's called Remastered. Is it is a Netflix series? Okay. It's pretty good. Um uh that the a lot of people they interviewed that were the descendants of people or like just really, really elderly people that might have actually been there. Yeah. They all say that. They say poisoned, and that is how physically he died. And that's how we have a body in one of those three uh, wow. sites, you know, cemeteries. Um, now, the poison they think it was, was, and I am doing my best here, Neph, Neph, Thaline, Nathalene, N A P H T H A L E N E, Nathalene, yeah, N A P H T H A L E N E. Okay, yeah, that poisoned, um, which is made from dissolving mothballs. Really? Uh, and that's not exactly how you do it, but let's just leave it at that. Yeah. We don't want to give... Dis- not giving out recipes here, yeah. but uh, mothballs are involved. I don't know how you dissolve them. Don't know what... Huh. Don't know the ingredients. Don't... Not going to tell you anyway. But they come from mothballs. Um, and <laughs> fun fact, this was a common way of poisoning people in the rural south. Oh, okay. So... Um, uh, I, eh, I guess it's easy enough to get a hold of. Yeah. And whatever recipe they used, uh, that's how they did it. Um, wow. but another thing that I thought was interesting is that it's rarely fatal. So huh. maybe just maybe this guy was trying to make him sick, but not kill him. Okay. Maybe. Cause it's something, I mean. I mean, it would be, it'd be, yeah. Um, well, I mean, it, or is it one of those things where it's like, it's rarely fatal with today's medicine and I can go to the doctor easily, but back then, for sure, it might have been a uh, bigger it, chance of being fatal. I think, uh, as I read it, um, they just said rarely fatal. Okay. So maybe, um, and well, again, we don't know how many, how many mothballs this guy, yeah. how, in in measurement of mothballs, how pissed off this guy was. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know the ratio and dosage that he used. Not to mention, like, I don't really think mothballs are something you keep at a bar. Yeah, this like, why be... would he just have them? Huh? Yeah, that's one of the things I, I had issues with. This uh, not many issues. I mean, I wasn't there. It's not my place to have issues with it. But, um, let's say a a, a plot hole for me. Is that like where is he getting mothballs from? And I hear this stuff stinks too. Huh. I mean, it's mothballs and whiskey, and not great whiskey at that. You know? Yeah. Um. So I don't. I don't. I mean, he doesn't have, a, he doesn't have pockets full of it, or maybe, maybe he's flirting with this lady before the bar, like in town, maybe, uh-huh. or in their community. 
I want to say in town because it's probably not. Um, you know, I don't, I don't understand like where the yeah. where you get it or he just had it. I mean, you know, I don't I don't know. But the way basically the only thing they outline in the story is that it could be this you that you get from this, and maybe he was just trying to make him sick off his ass. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like maybe he was just trying to make him like wish he was dead, but maybe he wasn't actually trying to murder. Excuse me, yeah. murder him. But, um, so let's, so there's the avenue of was trying to kill him and killed him. They just used a shitload of whatever he needed to do it. Yeah. Or he wasn't trying to kill him, but make him really, really ill. Maybe he died. Maybe he didn't. But, um, Johnson had been diagnosed with an ulcer that the poison affected and caused to hemorrhage. Oh, so whether or not it's fatal or not, uh, his particular situation having an ulcer caused him to die. Yeah. Because he's drinking a poison. Wow. Yeah. I think the thing of the, uh, I just watched Emperor's New Groove again. So I'm, I'm like, I've had this like, ah, <laughs> uh, Johnson's poison, the poison for Johnson, the, the poison especially made for Johnson. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, and the way they described he, you would die from a, a ulcer hemorrhage is vomiting, bleeding from the mouth, and an wow. abdominal pain, so. Yeah. Eh. Um, yeah, so the, uh, that, and also, that's not the only poison they think it could have been. They just, you know, putting, you know, a couple of bits of math together, that area, that time period, what that guy probably had access to, and. Wow. Yeah, the symptoms is based is what the uh, really difficult word to say kind of poison could be. So it could have yeah. been a number of things, number of uh, chemicals, let's say. But uh, uh, he apparently, how whatever it was, the taking two to three days to die is is like the the common denominator in all of those stories. Okay. So however it happened. The great Robert Johnson died horribly. Wow. Um, according to the most popular story. So it's just like no matter what it is, it's just not good. Yeah. And it's really, really sad um that uh somebody with who had such potential and what it sounded like had such great potential yeah. would go out like that. Really anybody. That's anybody that wasn't uh I mean he was probably by definition uh, a womanizer as i read but uh, it's not like it doesn't sound like he I, doesn't doesn't sound like he was evil you know maybe kind of a, yeah. it sounded like maybe kind of a dick but you know not he didn't kill anybody you know yeah but it's a horrible man. way to go yeah so um so to so now we've, we've kind of covered like the whole We've covered the myth, what it could mean, you know, the possibility, interpretations and possibilities. I want to get into now to uh, get into the wrap up of things that the myth inspired. Okay. Cool. Uh, and just a few. We're we're getting to the, towards the end of the episode, so um, to I mean, just to keep it from being nearly three hours yeah. long. Let's yeah to do kind of like a quick wrap up. Um. Uh lost my train of thought for a second so there's uh 
like I said, there's the episode of Super, you know, my favorite ones, let's say, that I picked from yeah. were the episode of Supernatural. Um, if you've ever seen uh, Metalocalypse. Okay, yeah. The, uh, uh, I think it's called Blues Clock in the first season. Yeah. Comes from this myth, and that actually is very... I mean, they they take elements of the myth and they play. They they make the like jokes on like when they meet the uh, the demon. It's like a it's a Papa Legba type. Oh yeah, it's like it's supposed to be the. I think that he that he is referred to as the devil, but he's got this Louisiana like yeah. Um. Uh, Dracula. What's his name? Um, Gary Gary Oldman Dracula. Yeah. Look yeah. to him, and uh, they run him through their lawyer to make sure he gets all they get all the. <laughs> It's a pretty great episode. Um, but the main one I want to talk about is um, one of my favorite guilty pleasure movies of all time. And I've yet, I, I've, I want to get, I want to learn to play the music from this. And it's a movie called Crossroads from 1986. I don't think I've seen it. I've, I, I was talking to you about this and my brother's going to be, my brother's already rolling his eyes. <laughs> Uh, but this movie features a Telecaster that got me into Telecasters. Oh, really? Yes. Ralph Macchio's in this movie, and he plays a Telecaster with a white pit guard. And um, I wanted, teleca- I wanted a, a Telecaster after seeing this movie. It became a, like, I, re- I, I had to get one. Yeah. And, and I wound up getting one that somebody m- mutilated by putting a Kaler dive bomb. Oh, jeez. Uh, the whammy bar in it. They yeah. only... They, it was a Japanese uh, squire oh, too. Man. Uh, have you seen it? The, the yellow one I have yeah, upstairs. Yeah, yeah, dude. They 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 took out the part like where the uh, the uh, I'm blanking on it right now. The tailpiece, uh, that chunk is where a lot of the tone comes from. And yeah, they had to scoop out like a two, like an inch in diameter hole basically for the uh, whammy bar to have its full action. It's it's really sad. Wow. Yeah, they drilled so many holes into that thing. But I love that guitar. It's, but uh, I wanted it because of this movie. And uh, it's one of the greatest, like, worst bad movies of all time. And at some point, we have to have uh, Phantom Jukebox movie night. Yeah, definitely. Um, that could, I'm going to look into trying to put that together. And that is going to be uh, an event. We will put that together. And that'll be hopefully the first time you see that movie. So if you can promise me that you won't watch it till okay. then. Okay, yeah. Uh, but we will try to do that as soon as we can. Um, the story is of Eugene Matone, Martone, uh, a gifted classical guitarist who is who has a a secret passion for the blues. Ah, so uh, yeah, he's at this like Juilliard type Berkeley place, yeah. and he, he's he's a he's a prodigy at uh, classical guitar, but uh, he loves the blues. Like he has a whole separate guitar for the blues, and oh, cool. Um, what the movie does well is when he meets his uh, what becomes his, who becomes his mentor. Uh, uh, he kind of calls like he. It's interesting because it, it is like for the most part just kind of a cheesy eighties movie. Yeah. Um, but they filmed it in Mississippi in like sort of the locale where the Robert Johnson could have lived, like where, where I said the Robert Johnson. Yeah. But uh, where Robert Johnson's story like more or less takes place. They filmed it in Mississippi in that kind of area to get like the legitimacy of it. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the mentor, um, uh, I was just looking for his name. Uh, Joe Seneca, S E N E C A. 
that actor, I, um, I believe his character's name is Willie, but uh, he basically calls Ralph Baccio's character like a poser. Oh, basically saying it kind of going into what we talked about. Like you haven't lived. Therefore, you're a poser for like because Ralph Macchio is like, I can play the blues and all this classical stuff like I, you know, because because he can handle classical. He's like, well, I can play the blues. It's like it's nothing harder than I've done before. And like Willie, the the Willie character is like, no, you're a poser (laughs) because you haven't lived. Yeah. Uh, And that's kind of what the movie is, is him like finding, you know, gaining that life experience enough to play you know to really play the blues yeah um i mean it's it is kind of like a great explanation for how that actually comes to uh how you actually become good at blues is with your life experience but done in the most 80s cheesy way i like it yeah it's a it's a fun movie uh features uh steve vai Wow. As a, uh, I'm not going to give too much away about him, but he's also a uh, guitar player that is featured in a duel that will happen in the movie. Oh. Um, uh, one, uh, one of the funny bits of trivia with that movie is that, uh, so there's a guy named Ry Cooter who plays the blue stuff. Yeah. And there's when it, Ralph Macchio took guitar lessons to like yeah. get the hand shapes right as much as he could, but it's not like he was a guitar player walking in. Yeah. And he trained for a little bit to hopefully play some of it, but they had hand stunt doubles. Wow. For Ralph Macchio's character when it came time to play the bits and it synced up pretty well, actually. Yeah. Uh, except for when it comes to the end, uh, the winning guitar bit, it ends in a cutting head situation. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it this the bit in the soundtrack. It's called Eugene's Trip Bag, Trick Bag, and it's basically uh, a version of uh, Paganini's Caprice Number no. Five. Huh. Um. So, in this blues guitar duel, this guy busts out a classical piece, but uh, it's supposed to be a blues movie. So like classical saves the day, you know. Uh, huh. When we watch it, you can come up. I, I, you, I'll, I'll see what yeah. you think of that situation. That's not really a spoiler because the movie's been out for over thirty years. But um, I kind of like even even the first time I watched it because the movie, the guitar work in the movie is amazing. Yeah, and that's why like me as a music nerd watches it. Um, but like, uh, yeah, even I even the first time I watched it, I was like, well, this is a blues movie. <laughs> So yeah. why isn't he like out bluesing him? I don't understand. Huh. And um, the character Jack Butler, which is played by Steve Vai, who's like a a guy who uh, another shredder who appears. Well, he's a shredder who appears in the movie. Stevie Ray Vaughan was considered for that part. Huh? It's not really a speaking role, so they don't really have to act per se. Yeah. Uh, but Stevie Ray Vaughan was considered it, and though I mean, if you know blues, you know Stevie Ray Vaughan. He's yeah. one of the best. Huh? Uh, incredible guitar player, also taken before his time. Uh, but they went with Steve Vai, who is an Alcatraz at the moment, and because his uh the shredding, this is uh what they call the the uh, guitar arms race because we had like Eddie Van Halen kind of doing his yeah. thing, and then Ingve Malmsteen. I think Ingve Malmsteen, I think started the the guitar like virtuoso race. Huh. 
because he released uh, uh, All Your Ships Are Burned. Yeah. Or something like that, which is like the rebirth of the neoclassical thing. Okay. And then you have your Steve Eyes and stuff that happened afterwards. And that was on the rise. So they wanted somebody that like had that clout behind them. So yeah. they picked Steve I over Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah. In the blues movie. <laughs> wow. Uh, and composer Ry Cooter, to his credit, was like, that was a bad move. Oh. <laughs> it's him going, hey, guys. The, so at least the person who know the most about music on that set was like, well, except for Steve I. Yeah. But he was he was hired to be in the movie. But the guy who's paid to know the most about music in that movie is like, hey, guys, this is a blues movie, so maybe we shouldn't do that. The director's like, but we want the kids to we want the kids to go to this film. Yeah, but this is a blues movie. Can, yeah. Can we can we put more blues in the blues movie? <laughs> it's like, well, what if he does that classical thing? And he's like, Yeah, that's classical, it's not really the blues. Do you know yeah. what the, do you know what the blues word means? <laughs> um and uh so Ry Cooter doesn't do the classical bit. So essentially if you very careful while you're watching the movie, Ralph Macchio's character's hands change like three times. Oh. Yeah, because it's Ralph Macchio when he's the and he's walking around with a guitar. It's Ry Cooter when he's doing like the slide guitar work. And by the way, if you enjoy like Almond Brothers or any kind of like uh, uh, trucks, I don't Tuskegee trucks. He's got it's a weird name. Uh, he plays. Uh, he played for Leonard Skinner for a while. Oh, guy with like the blonde ponytail. Yeah, he plays, like an SG. Um. I think he played Almond Brothers too for a while. I'm not. He played in like, I think he was in Leonard Skinner. He's in the Almond Brothers. I'm not sure. People are screaming right now. Yeah, but uh, I know his last name's Trucks, and I also know that he is an incredible slide player. Yeah, amazing in general, but his slide work uh, is is amazing. So slides hard, very hard. Yeah. Uh, so Ry Cooter's doing that, and it is there's amazing work done there, but he can't do like he doesn't do the the classical stuff yeah actually steve Vai. so when you see there, there's a moment where they cut to where it's just hands uh playing the 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 caprice yeah or yeah the, yeah, the caprice and it's done finger style too so like uh it's done like totally classical like it's done like with his thumb and his uh, index and ring finger uh middle yeah. finger Playing classical style, and you'll notice that his hands grow about three inches because if you've seen <laughs> Steve I's hands, yeah. they're they're alien. And he says, "Yeah, my hands are alien" because he has these really like thin, wide fretboards to kind of like counteract that. Yeah, that's why he can do all these like crazy stretches and stuff. Um, and uh, and he plays it, and he actually he plays it on the the uh, recording too. So wow. Steve I is playing a character that's playing against himself. Oh. As nice. far as the recording goes, but like he's pretending, you know, it's Ralph Macchio is supposed to be playing. The, it's funny when because they they cut back between the 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 shot of just his hands playing guitar and back to Ralph Macchio and his hand like and they try not to frame his hands at all and they just try to like have his face like he's concentrating, which looks really goofy when you know he's not doing yeah. anything. Um, and you see like his the re the regular Ralph Macchio hands, and then it cuts back to. Uh, Steve I, because he's wearing this jacket that he's got the sleeves rolled up <laughs> yeah. to try like hide that it's a different person, but it's just, it's so easy to see. Yeah. And um, there was a funny interview about uh, 
uh, there's a funny interview talking about Steve I recording that movie and he's like yeah the hardest part about doing the Caprice the first time doing it uh correctly as you know Ralph Macchio's character does it and then having to do it again as the other character and he's like the hardest thing about it was actually messing up wow because he had to mess up convincingly after studying all that time to get it right jeez that's so but it's like you you know how like there's just there's just I mean Steve Ice not gonna get an Oscar for acting or anything but Imagine trying to convincingly pretend like you don't know something that you've studied for months. Yeah. And this is Steve I we're talking about. Yeah. And uh, if you know uh, who Steve I is, you understand that he is he's a perfectionist. Yeah. I mean, played with Frank Zappa. He was trained by Frank Zappa amongst, wow. you know, like, trained with Satriani. Yeah. Who's a, who's a monster in his own right. Uh, Frank Zappa. Um, his own studies of music, which yeah. there's a lot that I like and there's a lot that I consider exploration, which I appreciate, but don't really enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, I thought that was kind of, I thought it would be kind of fun to, to like imagine him like, Oh, I didn't fake it good enough. I have to go back and try again. Yeah. You didn't mess up the correct way. Yeah. I don't, I don't believe you. You have to do it again. Vi. Wow. So I thought we'd end on kind of more of a, I wanted to end a more of a lighter note. I know we got into some, to some heavier bits with um, this story and I tried to do them justice. Like I, I really, you can't really tell this story without getting into like some like this, like the real world problems. Yeah. Definitely. Um, Robert Johnson would have that most certainly fueled this music that he had. Now I'm not even, I'm not a really, um, Blues is probably one of the music, like the styles I listen to, not once say the least, but I w- I'm not like an avid fan of it. But listening to some of the songs uh, over the course of this uh, research, um, and you can hear it. You can really yeah. hear that it's like it's legit and it's uh, it's not somebody writing a character um, about the stuff he's experiencing and it's like no this is what i did no this is what wow this is what happened to me yeah crossroad blow go uh blues is about me walking you know him walking down this like at the time super dangerous way to travel you know road yeah so um what are your thoughts what do you think about the story that's that's cool and it definitely fueled a lot of I mean, you see this reference of, you know, selling your soul to the devil so often in, like, just in metal and in, like, pop culture even. Yes. Yeah. It had a big influence. And I I like it. I knew nothing about Robert Johnson before this. I knew about as much as you said when he walked in. Yeah. Uh, like, when you uh, sold a soul to the devil and that he was, like, a prolific blues player. Yep. Actually, I knew he was a blues player. I didn't realize he was called the grandfather of rock and roll. Yeah. I didn't realize he was he was so because what I, what I kind of thought was that like he's a famous blues player. He's not like a great blues player, but it turns out no, he was actually really good. Wow. Yeah. You hear about that. You hear about that with like uh, artists all the time. Like uh, um, the Mona Lisa is a famous painting, but is it a good painting? Yeah. You know what I mean? And by, you know, I can't paint something like that. 
I want to say a lot of other people can't paint something like that. But um, what Rembrandt was the guy, I believe he did a lot of the most, like the really famous, like, uh, I, I'm sorry if I'm getting this wrong. I believe he's the guy who painted uh, Washington Crossing the Delaware. Okay. Uh, I think it's the, it's, but it's the painting where it's, it is Washington on the boat and like, you yeah. know, and he's like heroically pointing to like the other yeah. side. Uh, that super famous painting, which by the way is huge, technically a much better painting. Mm. It's just not as famous. Yeah, you know what I mean. But, uh, but in this case, we have a guy who's both. He's he's famous because, uh, and it's kind of like a thing that comes. It, it's a it's kind of a weird full circle story with Robert Johnson. Yeah, it's, I like that it started with at least from uh speculation it started with him leaving being not good at guitar and coming back and almost a compliment of like you must have sold your soul to the devil there's no way anyone could could have been where you were and be as good as you are now oh i take it as a compliment it. you're oh, yeah. totally right like that's such a um that's such a badass yeah uh compliment like and this is probably meant as an insult but totally accepted as a compliment like could you imagine hearing that at a gig today it's I like it. dude did you sell your soul to the devil or something because you're like there's no way anyone could be that good I put it on my linkedin oh yeah it's <laughs> yeah, my soul to devil uh, i was like considered uh like, rumor has it <laughs> rumored to believe uh to have sold soul to devil for how good i am and then a link to the song they're talking about yeah <laughs> so definitely oh yeah no that is something uh especially uh uh both being metalheads i i think we could both agree oh it's, yeah it's extra cool for us you know Oh, definitely yeah so but the fact that it started like that and then you know since then he kind of you know kind of played off of it in a sense i guess yeah what i was gonna say is like it's uh it starts off with uh you know, his, his myth kind of like, I, I want to say maybe the myth is a little bit more famous because the crossroads has a lot of history behind it. The crossroads myth yeah, has a lot of history behind it and, but it didn't completely overshadow how good of a blues player he was. Yeah. Like, um, the expectation versus real of, of hope. Well, of reality. Cause we have recordings, you know, he is, he is great. He's considered yeah. by everybody that yeah. listens to it. Like that knows, that truly knows that medium, you know, they, they will say, Oh yeah, he's good. I mean, anybody would, I think even if like you didn't know, uh, I think if you could find somebody that didn't know the, um, the, the myth and you played it and you go, who truly under, I mean, it'd be hard to find somebody that doesn't know both. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you know blues, you know, Robert Johnson, you know, the myth it's, it's, it's kind of like you can't read a, you can't see a word without reading it kind of thing. Yeah, but um, somebody that maybe doesn't know it, somehow I bet they would say like that's still good blues. And then you tell them the story, and you're like, oh yeah, well yeah, it's got good. Wow. Um, yeah. But like so, like he was a uh, he was so good. People thought he sold his soul to the devil, which connects him to all this this history, and then it pushes him forward even more. And I think yeah, that connection is definitely what made him immortal. But it's not but it is based on the fact that he's that good. It's like, it's like a, I don't, I don't know. It's like a, it's a circular argument kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's the way I'm trying to get to after, you know, all this word salad is that it's, 
it's not one before the other, but it's also not just one thing that yeah. makes him this immortal figure in history, uh, musical history in our case. Yeah. But uh, I had a lot of fun learning about him. Like he's been, uh, I knew he was going to be one of the first episodes we did. And uh, I wanted to get, uh, I knew he didn't want to, he wanted, I didn't want him to be first only because I wanted to have at least one underneath my belt to practice the research. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Cause there was a lot that went into this, uh, a lot of, a lot of reading, a lot of different videos, uh, a lot of YouTube, a lot of Netflix wow, yeah. um, to find this stuff. And uh, I'm glad I waited one to like practice and get, I learned a lot about structure from our last episode yeah. to like yeah. self-criticize. Um, still very happy as a first episode. I think it's great. Yeah. Uh, me, uh, me in doing the research and like putting a thing together, I realized I needed to like make it clearer. And I don't think I figured it out in one episode, but I uh, definitely think um, this was waiting for this to be the, at least the second one was the best, was the better. Movie. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's just gonna keep getting better. I think it's just gonna keep getting better. I'm really, I'm really digging it. Um, I think coming up, I'm gonna try to get out of the United States and see if we can find something. I either want to do like a, I'm debating on doing a true crime one, or going out of the United States for the next episode. We'll see. Okay, we'll see. It's between those two because I want to go all over the world with this. Go all nice. like go. There's so much music history. Uh, everywhere, and we're gonna find it. We're gonna we're gonna do it. Yeah. So I want to thank uh, real quick. I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, I really appreciate you guys supporting the podcast again. Definitely, definitely. Um, if you want to take it that one step more, if you uh, if you feel uh, if you feel so inclined, I would really appreciate it. Uh, if you rated and review us, give us five star. Maybe tell us. Uh, Listen to a Robert Johnson song and then tell yeah. us your favorite one. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm trying to think of... Answer the question, would you sell your soul to the devil? You know what? Yeah. So uh, maybe add that in there. or uh, And what would it be for? What would it be for? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so so if, what's your crossroads deal? Yeah. On our, uh, so please give us five stars if you feel we earned it. Uh, give us five stars and uh, what's your crossroads deal? Yeah. Yeah, what do you what is what's worth it to what's you? What's worth selling your soul to the devil in your the opinion? The devil. And um I also want to thank uh uh our actual audio wizard Kenny Grooms. Yes. For the fantastic work he did mixing and mastering the theme song. Uh I want to thank you Joe for ah. writing that theme song with me that is by yours truly and uh Joe, we put a lot of work into that. I think I've heard uh, from the people I've asked about the show. Yeah, uh, I told them. Um, I was like, describe the describe the theme song to me. Like, at listen, I played it for them. Uh, like after you know the, the finished version. Yeah, I played it for them, and I was like, what does that sound like to you? Tell me like a TV show kind of terms. What does yeah. that sound like to you? And they were like, some kind of '90s spooky TV show. And I was like, perfect exactly it, it yeah. does it so well couldn't be more happy with it and a lot of the magic comes from uh the great kenny grooms polishing that thing till it yeah. shines yeah so thank you so much kenny uh for 
having a nicer setup than a wax disc in a <laughs> seedy hotel room. <laughs> getting all of it done. And... Getting all of it done super quick. The turnaround yeah. with that was very, very quick and so good. I uh, also want to thank the amazing Dakota Galvin for doing our uh, yes. uh, social media stuff, which... But we, which much better than much better. You or I, yeah, I know. I'm not the best of social media. I would yeah, put a hashtag, please like it.com. <laughs> yeah, I know she's handling that for us. She's a an angel for doing yes, so, definitely. So, on our social media, we have uh, Twitter, Phantom Jukebox underscore, a Facebook, Phantom Jukebox, and then an Instagram. Uh, I almost said, we have an Instagram.com <laughs> forward slash Phantom Jukebox podcast. You know, nice. uh, tell us about like your, like I said, your, your, with so far, you got to tell us about your favorite Elvis song, favorite Robert Johnson song. What's your crossroads deal? Remember, put that on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Or and, just uh, tell us on Twitter or Facebook. Yeah. Let just, us know. Just come find us. Uh, come hang out. We intend to, uh, I want to make like a cool nerd community. A yeah. few music nerd community where we can talk about all this stuff and the I like talking to music nerds. I like talking to music nerds. Yeah. So again, can't really thank you enough for listening to the show. Uh thank you for being here, Joe. Thank you for having me and so, for doing all your research. There's a lot of reading. Yeah. There's a lot of reading. It was worth it. So worth it. You guys, you guys are so worth it. And I just really appreciate you giving us your time. So uh, tune in uh, to the next episode, guys. And until then, be safe. Drive carefully. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here.